That's I'm deleting my question. What's your question? It was supposed to be a. It was supposed to be a who's the hottie now. Why are you deleting it? Well, because your question's like about how the Beagle changed the world. <laughs> my question is like, <laughs> nah, no, <laughs> <laughs> Fred, your question remains quick. Revert to the previous same state. Get this new computer because my other one's stopped. Oh! I didn't even notice. Not mine. It's just it was in the lab. Because it stopped working after someone spilled water all over it. Oh <laughs> no! Did it really? The batteries basically packed it in. Hello and welcome to Fangin' Around. This is episode 27. Recording this on the 29th of October 2012. I'm James. Twenties. 2020. 20, I'm James. I'm joined by Campbell. Fred. And we have a special guest co-host, all the way from New Zealand, uh, Brendan. How you doing, Hi. Brendan? Good, good. How you going? Do you want to introduce yourself, say full name? Are you like, I am Brendan? Because Fred Baines never oh, likes... Brendan. Oh, <laughs> shit, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Campbell White, somewhere in... Good. <laughs> My full name is Brendan D. It doesn't stand, stand for anything. It's just, just D-E-E. Do you know, are you related to Donna... Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to ask you related to this person we know called Donna D. Well, that's a pseudonym. That's right? a pseudonym. Her name's yeah. very long. Oh, so she cuts oh. it to double D, double E. Double D. Uh, no, it's like um, like Sandra D in Greece. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to have a kung fu instructor who used to call me Brandon Lee. <laughs> <laughs> did, so, that, did that make you feel really good? I think it set up high expectations. But you're, yeah. <laughs> you pronounce your name Brendan, right? Brendan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. What's the other pronunciation? Well, you just said Brandon Lee, and I was like, oh, oh we meant to say ah, Brandon. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Brendan's come from New Zealand. You come over back to... You're from Perth? Yes, yes. I, I, I lived in Perth. I moved over to New Zealand about two years ago now. Yep. And you come back for your birthday? Yeah, yeah, just... Uh, so come should back. we say happy birthday? Yeah, it was happy yesterday. Birthday, Brandon. Hey, happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> So, yeah, I come over every once in a while because all my family is here and um, yeah, I've got a lot of friends over here, so I try and come back as often as I can afford. Do you all looking out for discount flights? Do they have discount flights between Perth and New Zealand? They do, but not to... Wellington is such a small little town. It's only right. like 300,000 people, yeah. and the airport's not so big, so you don't get flights that go all the way to Perth. So Yeah. It's, it's I hear um, Auckland's trying to steal um, Perth's most remote city tagline because oh, they reckon Wellington and Christchurch don't count as other cities. So. Oh. They're pretty much right. But, um. uh, it's still not as isolated as, as Perth is. I guess hmm. on the east and the west there's just ocean though, and the north. Auckland's still closer to Sydney than Perth is. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, we're closer to Singapore than Sydney. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> so, why did you move to New Zealand, Brendan? Uh, basically, I I was trying to find work in the film industry, and Brendan's yeah. a filmmaker, we should say. Yeah, of of some description. Yeah, yeah. And in Perth, um, there is uh, some people, you know, give a hard time to the Perth film industry, but there is there is quite a, a decent, healthy film industry in Perth. Um, it just seems 
to me at the time, like a lot of the work that was going was um, in kind of the field of documentaries or um, TV productions. And I really wanted to get into um, really kind of like genre films, like really Hollywood type, you know, just real commercial kind of stuff. And so uh, it seemed like a lot of the opportunities um, required you either to move to the Eastern States or to LA or... um, or over to New Zealand where there's some things going on and um, I couldn't really, it's not that easy to get a green card and go to the US and a lot of people going over the eastern states so I thought I'd, I'd try check out New Zealand because it didn't seem like many people going over there and um, and yeah, things worked out pretty well so I ended up staying, it was just a short visit at first and then been there for two years now. So, so what's happening in Wellington with only 300,000 people that's mm. not happening in Perth? Well... They basically owe a lot to Peter Jackson. If he wasn't there, there'd be nothing. Mm. Uh, it, it would it would really be nothing. And most most of the film uh, industry in New Zealand is all actually based in Auckland. It's and and Auckland's kind of like Perth, I suppose, scale wise, the amount of work mm. that's there. Um, but yeah, it's just because of the work that that Peter Jackson brings in with his films and things that shoot there because of where to digital and where to workshop. And, and and this whole little little filmmaking empire that they've established there. So he's kind of like a one man. <clears throat> he's like the founding father of contemporary New Zealand film industry, I guess, in terms of jobs that are available. And- yeah, yeah, he's kind of like um, George Lucas in a way that all the money mm. he's made, he's he's invested back into building this little empire. I mean, for for, for Lucas having ILM, mm. Jackson's got Weta Digital. For Lucas having Skywalker Sound and the Skywalker Ranch. Jackson has uh, like Park Road Post, and okay, um, and that's why they're getting other films going on over there. Um, hopefully, a couple more Avatar films. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Are they filmed in New Zealand or partially digitally? The, the, the fur- forests there are amazing. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, the. Um, the first Avatar was about half and half. They shot all okay. the motion capture stuff in LA, and then all the um, all the actual live action stuff with the actors was done in Wellington. That's why you notice a lot of those. Sounds the- like it should be the opposite. <laughs> like, yeah, get yeah. the actors to do it in LA, and the- mm. um, it was mainly because a lot of the sets and everything were being made by Weta Workshop. Okay. They would make a lot of the physical props, so that's why they chose to do it um, down there in the studios. Um, and also, it's probably cheaper to hire extras in New Zealand. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So, mm. so, do you work within Weta, or are you working? No, I, I do a lot of odd jobs around yeah. the place. Um, so, a lot of mainly freelance work. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of my work is kind of in the. Um, in the post-production side of things, do a lot of just just um, like VFX work and things like that. But um, mm. I was able to pick up a bit of um, on-set work over the last year, um, just because it's 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 such a small inter-knit community. Everyone knows everyone else, so it is easy enough to kind of jump between professions if that's what you want to do. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and I guess there must be a flow-on effect with. Um, where the studios and the like being there, like it must have a positive flow and effect outside of their studio. Is that right? Outside of their kind of yeah, closed it, net system. Well, um, I mean the fact that it's kind of drawing all these 
uh, productions into into Wellington. Well, the, it, it certainly seems like a, there's a bigger portion of the the local population who who pursue careers in the film industry, knowing that that it is there. Um, and so they do have a number of film schools that are quite successful, and you know, they have a, seems to be a lot more film students than you what you would expect in such a small town. Yeah. Um, and I that, that kind of helps me pick up a lot of work because you've got um, I, I do a lot of work on um, short films and stuff uh, that whenever they need post production, usually I can do a lot of stuff freelance, which is a cheaper alternative than you know all the the really big post houses that are around the place, which charge them a lot okay. of help, a lot of money, so they sometimes will come to me. So what sort of post-production work are you talking about? Uh, I do everything from um, kind of uh, digital intermediates to like, colour grading, um, just visual effects, cleaning things up, fixing mistakes, doing titles and credits. Um, I even make uh, DCPs. I can actually make masters that can be shown in a cinema on a digital projector. And, okay. and that stuff I can do for a, a fraction of the cost of what a big post-production company would charge usually cool now i think i saw you on facebook say that um that you know this is you had the landmark year which every artist wants is that you actually made more money from filmmaking than you know other kind of work (gasps) wow yeah i'm not i'm not gasping ironically or sarcastically it's like that's great (laughs) no i was i was sorry just we should say campbell we have a at the podcast originally it was two artists versus two scientists. Um, our other PhD scientist is off in Scotland at the moment. Um, so Campbell's the artist. Fred's the doctor. This is Doctor Fred here. He's a doctor mm-hmm. of physics. Um, so Campbell, obviously, me and Campbell are very excited here. Someone's making money. <laughs> Someone's out of making art, money out of know. their arts practice. Um, I approve. I, yeah. Well, uh, I, I I think when I looked at my time during the year, I probably had about three months of of full-time film work and but still even for those three months you're you're talking like at least like you know 60 70 hour weeks like sometimes Mm. 100 hour weeks so so it does it is a lot of work in that time but then the other nine months of the year i was having to just kind of just do whatever work i could find and i yeah I think it's more testament to just how low paid I was for those other nine months. Because <laughs> yeah. it didn't seem like I had much money left at the end of the year, but I was pretty surprised at tax time. That's just, you know... Well, yeah, it was about even, I think, yeah. over that, so... Um, now, you got... Um, now, you were saying you also... Like, in those other nine months, do you... Um, like, is it hard... If you want to make your own film... Like, is it easy to find other people to help you out? Like, um, I I find that I made a lot... I've made a lot less of my own stuff since I've been in New Zealand. And I don't think that is really due to the... um, There's certainly no shortage of people that I could ask to help out Mm. and make films. But I just found that when I moved over there... I'd been in Perth for 16 years and it was so easy whenever I wanted to make a film. Um, all those little logistical things like your locations and where to where to get gear, transport, everything, mm. is, um, is it just so, comes so quickly to you. It's all second nature. You know exactly how to get everything you need. Yeah. And then even after being in Wellington for two years, I still I wouldn't have the first clue of where to 
if I came up with a location for a film, I just don't know where I'd go. I don't know how to get things cheaply enough. And um, and even it seems like in somewhere like Perth, uh, if you go to people and say, I'm making a film, and there's a kind of novelty to it, and people are willing to, to help you out for, for nothing just mm. because it's, it's something interesting that they don't usually encounter. When you're in a real filmmaking town like Wellington and you go to ask for something because you're making a film, people tend to get requests all the time and it becomes more of a chore to them. And mm. you know, they're, not, they're not as willing to just kind of jump on board and help you out just be- because of the novelty of working a film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like sick of, oh, God, more filmmakers. Yeah, they're always getting filmmakers asking for stuff for free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you need to, like, go on the road and film it in Christchurch or something and go... Hey, can we film in your rubble? Sorry, bad joke. There was actually a... Um, <laughs> there, there was a guy... We also bill ourselves as the most offensive podcast. <laughs> you bill yeah, us yeah. as the most offensive yeah. podcast. There, there, the there is this guy yeah. who travels around. He's a, he's a filmmaker and photographer, and he was in Christchurch. Um, I think he was actually there when the, when the big earthquake was happening. And his first reaction was he jumped out 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 the next day went went down into the red zone where everything was rubble mm. uh with his little dslr and started shooting plates for like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> film yeah yeah so. <laughs> um i remember that like you know we've had one earthquake like ever in wa and up in meckering and like they kept one house that had been destroyed in it and you could go there and it was like wow this destroyed house destroyed an earthquake but because it was like in 1960 so it was all overgrown and um but yeah <laughs> I always like, yeah, in those situations, do you run out and try and yeah, get some plate shots or something like that? I think you just, it's just trading off really. Like mm. in, you know, New Zealand, you're constant fear of earthquakes. In Perth, you're constant fear of bushfires. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think I remember one year I wanted to do this, this film I never got funding for, but I wanted to film some of the scenes on Australia down down on the Perth foreshore. So we like grabbed my camera and Fred the, got the microphone. We tried to record this scene and didn't really work. But um, you know, and like even if I got that film funded, it wouldn't have been made for like nine months later. But um, um, it was fun trying to just go down there, try and get some footage in this chaos that was. Um, well, that happens every year though. That's not quite like an earthquake. That's. Um, that levels a city. That's yeah, but a bit you're never guaranteed to get good weather on the day, and um, okay. you're yeah, for whatever yeah, happens, yeah. it's like once you get the money and you you can't get it on that day, you're, yeah, yeah. you're screwed kind yeah. of thing. Um, no, but I'm just saying, you know, the opportunity comes around. Yeah, you just feel like you've got to shoot something. Yeah. There was a film done for Trotfest a few years ago that I saw, um, and they'd actually filmed it. Um, during the, I think it was Australia Day celebrations, hmm. and so it was all done at night. And it was about it was about some child that gets separated from their parents during all the celebrations and was lost and wandering around. And but it was all quite. It's very interesting the way it was all shot on the night and through all this chaos and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so we uh, traditionally start off the show. We'll now introduce Brendan, um, talking about what we've been consuming. Um, Campbell, what have you been checking out? Um, I was in Melbourne last week uh, for the Jump Mentorship, which is an arts grant program where they team up an emerging artist with an established artist. And anyway, I was over there doing things like that. Which one were you? <laughs> I was the emerging. Okay. Emerging, like a baby. Um, 
but um, sorry, I'm looking down at my show notes. You could tutor an artist. That wasn't a totally ridiculous question. Oh, thanks. You're Fred. more established than some other artists. That's like, well, that's true. Some 17 year old or something. And I'm less established than others. Yeah. So. so I guess I could kind of sit on either side. But for this one, I sat on the side that re- received the money. Yep. Um, <laughs> I like being on that side. Um, so, I had, like, kind of evenings to myself, which I usually don't, and um, watched some television. So, I saw <laughs> quite a few things. Yep. So, I watched Super Factories. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> this is Channel One. I don't know what Yeah, I think I know. I haven't seen it, but I think I know generically the title. Otherwise, it's, it's otherwise some countries it's 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 mega factories. <laughs> you yeah. didn't see the Lego Factory episode, did I you? I didn't. Oh, cuz that's the only episode I've ever seen because they always play it in flight and ah oh. and it's it's amazing. Uh, like it's, it's a really well-made like documentary in its own right. But I find it really funny because every so often when I'm on a plane, I always look around and see what everyone else is watching. And every flight, I see someone watching the Someone's Lego watching. Mega Factories. Episode. Yeah. Oh, well, I just found out about that. So I totally, because I went and saw, checked what other Mega Factory episodes or Super Factories episodes there was. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I saw a couple episodes of that. It was all right. Um, what factories did you get uh, to see? The Corvette. Oh, right. It's just like a car. I'm oh, actually, totally I have seen one in. episode. I saw the one where they make the Phantom, the Rolls Royce Phantom. Well, that's the thing. And I looked up what other cars, and there's like the Phantom, there's like Aston Martins, there's Lamborghinis, there's Ferraris. And I watched the Corvette one, which is like. <laughs> I think I might have seen one of those, crummy. but it wasn't even Mega Factories. It was just how they make it. And I think it was about a oh. screwdriver or something. Well, they've done they've, really they've done a Mega made. Factories on Swiss Army Knife. Like you said, Lego cool. blocks, um, Jack Daniels, Coca Cola. So, and I saw I saw two episodes, and I saw one about big Mercedes Benz, their new like super hauler road train thing, which was quite interesting. Um, but with the Corvette one, the the uh, narrator kept saying they've added less weight by using this component. Yep, <laughs> and it was just like nails on a chalkboard to me. So they, you know, they've. By using this you know, aluminum frame, uh, they've added less weight. And you're just going, no. Does that make sense? Add less weight? You could, you could write uh, out as a mathematical equation, yeah. like plus negative weight. Yeah. Oh, I guess you could, couldn't you? But you're, adding, so you're adding the weight of the chassis, but less of it because it's made of aluminium. It sounded so wrong. <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess I'm wrong. Adding less weight. Um, I watched Black Mirror, an episode of that. Sort of like a Twilight Zone, English Twilight Zone. They only made Never three episodes. It. It's pretty cool. The guy, it's all about set in this alternative future slash past where everyone's got like a, um, I guess it's like an advanced Google Google Glass, was it? Um, except it's just built into your eyes and you can rewind your memories and play them back and zoom in and enhance image a thousand percent and that sort of thing. So, But it's pretty cool and what happens and so everyone's sitting around kind of rewatching memories and... Um, doing things like that. So, it's sort of a comment on people trying to relive their past and uh, not enjoying yeah. the present. Yes, yeah, sort of, I guess. Yeah. And also, you know, how we're kind of hyper-recording things. And, everything. You know, w- what if we extend that, like, to its natural conclusion of you can record everything you've ever seen mm. in perfect detail. Well, have you seen Catherine Bigelow's film with Ralph What, Juice Fines? Bigelow? <laughs> No? The sequel. Is that Bigelow? Oh. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Catherine Bigelow. Just, just, yeah. yeah, James Cameron's ex-wife. Is that a real name? Um, yeah, I think so. But that and, was uh, made up. <laughs> what, Bigelow? Juice Bigelow, male gigolo. I thought yeah. Rob, Rob just made it up. <laughs> From the depths of his creative it. so Is his name Juice Bigelow, do you think? Is that how the title of... Yeah, it's yeah, Juice it is, Bigelow, yeah. male yeah. gigolo. 
Right. I just thought they made up bigger load of rum. But is that the name of the character though? Yeah, oh. that's the name of the title. Or is that like no? That's the name of the two character. times the bigger load. I don't know. It's the name Jeez. of the character. You've, yes, you've seen it. Okay. But there are six or seven billion people in the world now, so yeah. I'm sure any any surname you'll find someone who has <laughs> yeah. someone. Anyway, this Ralph, I think it's what strange Ralph something strange. Um, it, it's about him and yeah, people create snuff fills films by murdering someone and then stealing oh, their recording. Strange days, strange days, yeah. yeah. And then you can relive your that death or something like that, yeah, or just a snuff film, or you can go to no, but it's like a memory implant. Yeah, oh, okay. they get some guy to like go and have like three prostitutes, you know, do everything with him, and then, yeah, and then record they sell his, that memory. Sell right? that memory, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's like a Kevin Bacon film or something where that happened. It was just like really like psychedelic. Um, I watched a documentary called, or a TV series called a show called Darren Brown: The Experiments. Do you know Darren Brown? He's like this English. I guess he's like a confidence trickster. So he does all sorts of performative work where he pretends to be um, like a telepath or something, and he does all these oh, yeah. things, and everyone's like, "Well, you're a telepath," and he's like, "No, nah, actually, it's just this is the tricks that telepaths use." I think pretend. I saw an ad for that, but I didn't actually. Watch so who it, so. does that? Uh, it's a guy called Darren Brown. Because uh-huh. you know that Lawrence Lung, who was in the yeah. Ironet thing, he did a show like that. Yeah, that yeah. was really good. I liked yeah, that. That was cool. Well, he does that sort of thing, but he knows all the tricks, so he'll like confuse people into thinking he's magic or something, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "No, no, no," you know. Uh, I can't talk to the dead. It's just this, you know, it's these things. Anyway, he's this is from a series called The Experiments. And the episode I saw, right, he's got this... Ma- it's it's in England and he's he, they've got this manor rigged up with all these little hidden cameras and um, they invite this person along to come and take part in this, like, weekender conference. And so there's one person who's not an actor, who's a real just person. And then the rest of the people are actors and they're all playing these roles. And over the weekend, they sort of, like fuck with this guy's mind, right? This is like a real show with real people. And they get him all, like, worked up and feeling like he's losing his memory and things. So someone will walk out with one coloured shirt and walk back in with another thing, or people will be like, oh, remember you signed up for this thing? And he's like, no. it's subtle. Yeah, it's all really subtle stuff. And he starts, like, getting really confused and being like, oh, okay, I just can't remember anything this weekend. Anyway, over the two days, they freak him out. But he, it's just really slow and gentle, right? And then they trick him into thinking he's stolen this pearl necklace. <laughs> and he's looking for it. And then he's, like, found it in his bag. And then someone else is like, oh, yeah, remember you were playing with it th- this time? And they had had him playing with it. And he was like, oh, yeah, I must have taken it. <laughs> anyway, he freaks out. And he's like, he goes and confesses. And they're like, oh, don't worry. Like the, the maitre d' is like, oh, don't worry. Look, I'm just glad we've got it back. I'll just say that we found it and all this stuff. And then they set up this rivalry with this jerk guy, right? who, like, cheats when they're playing um, croquet and kind of they're going, oh, you know, he said you were a real wanker, you know. He's, he's been bad-mouthing you all night. And, the, you know, the real guy's are like, oh, is he really? I don't know. Anyway, they settle this up. And then on the last night, it's supposed to be a celebration. So, he, he gets really pissed, right, and passes out. <laughs> and then in his bedroom... They, like, play this message through the TV to, like, hypnotise him. Like, oh, you're so sleepy. You're not going to wake up. You know, just keep sleeping. And then everyone comes in and carries him out into the lawn and places him out in the lawn on a blanket. Right? And he wakes up at five in the morning. He's out in the field. And he's like, what the fuck? And he goes in and goes back to bed. And then it's the last day of the conference. And then they're like, oh, the police arrive. And they're like, oh, we found a dead body. And it's the guy that he was having this fake rivalry with. And they're like, so what happened last night? You know, they're interviewing everyone. And the police are like, what happened last night? Do you remember what happened? And he's like, 
<laughs> no. And they're like, well, did you sleep in your room last night? And he was like, oh, yeah, but I woke up in the middle of a field. I don't know what happened. And they kind of set it up where, oh, they drank champagne another night and they made up that all this stuff had happened that hadn't. And he, and everyone was like, oh, when you drink champagne, you must black out. Duh, duh, duh. And so he had it in his mind. He was like, oh, I was drinking champagne. I always black out when I drink champagne. And he went and he went to... He, like, freaked out so badly that he ran down to the local police station and confessed that, like, he killed this guy. <laughs> he, like, made a full confession. And then he confessed to Darren Brown, the host, who he hadn't met yet. And then Darren Brown's like, all right, but what about this? And then he rips out, like, the interrogation room wall, which is made of paper. And then oh, everyone's, like, standing behind it, like, going, whoa. <laughs> He's like, it was just a trick. <laughs> So what's the that guy, would what, fuck with your head. What'd the guy do? He was like, he was like so happy. He was like, woohoo. <laughs> you get pissed they off. They need to do a, like a no. revisit like a few years later and see what's But wouldn't that like just totally coming. fuck with your whole yeah. concept of you could reality? If, if you were the type of person that you thought it would be accused of murder, you just had to go on the road or like fight your way out of it or something. It could go yeah. horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You would kind of get like a, uh, you know, um... Is it Peter and the Wolf? And the like, boy who cried wolf type thing cried. going on. Yeah. You know, you'd never it's, trust anything yeah. else that happened. Like, any weird <laughs> stuff that happened in your life, you would just always be, like, be hey, looking for the cameras. Yeah. yeah. Like, car crash up ahead, you'd be like, oh, this looks dodgy. <laughs> you know, there's probably hidden camera. Well, anything. So, it's called Darren Brown, The Experiments. He's done a whole bunch of TV series. This is the only episode I've ever seen. And they did a preview for the second episode where he he set this sculpture in this small, small English town. And he started telling everyone it was good luck to rub its head. And then he started rigging all these events. And so the whole town was like, oh, yeah, I got pregnant after rubbing that, like, <laughs> dog statue's head and all this crazy shit. And then what? I don't know. But <laughs> it mystery. just escalates. Um, that really freaked me out, that show. Because I was like, yeah, what if the guy had had, like, a total mental breakdown? Or forever you'd just be wondering, mm. is this, like, a trick? Yeah. It sounds... I don't know how they got away with it. Maybe they give him some psychological counselling afterwards, you know? Like a... But wouldn't you be... Debriefing. But wouldn't you be suspicious the whole time of that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I remember I was working on this film set and there was this other guy on it and he was trying to... It was his sort of his life's goal to um, get... His name was Lee and his... um, Life's goal was to get something named Lee's Law, like Murphy's Law or something like that. And he was trying to give a name to, you know, that feeling like when you you buy a, a car or maybe an iPod and suddenly you see them all around, you n- seem to notice those yeah. things more or you've seen something and it comes to attention. Once it's in your brain, it you comes to attention more and suddenly you're I like, why haven't I ever noticed that? has got a law though, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's called something boring, like right. observation. Right. Well, this is 10 like years ago, that. right? And they're only, uh, and so he was trying to spread this rule. It obviously didn't work because I found it the other day on Reddit. They talked about it and like, like 2007, someone you know, the, the world psychological body decided to give it this official name and it's now, it's not, so it failed. His life got oh, yeah. That's that. It kind of makes me think of, there was an episode of um, American Dad and the his wife's, like, life goal was to um, to make a popular catchphrase. Oh, right. And so yeah. she was she yeah. was just trying to, like, come up with all these catchphrases until, and, then, and then just kept using them and yeah. trying to, hoping, hoping that, yeah, you get catch on. Yeah. 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 And well, there was, um, there was a Seinfeld episode where that, with eating a chocolate bar with knife and fork, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Snickers. Snickers bar, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to get that to catch on. 
Um, you tried scissors to get people to eat food with scissors. That for came up in several, Melbourne when I was there. Ago. Yeah. So you, I still think it's still a- there from when you lived there. <laughs> I I had that once. I went to a um like a Korean barbecue restaurant where they give you the hot plate in front of you, and um it was in Sydney and ordered like this seafood soup, and the thing was enormous, and all they gave you was a pair of chopsticks and a pair of scissors. It's perfect. And because and this, this so soup, elegant. There was like a whole squid in the soup, this enormous squid. So the only way to <laughs> eat it was to, you'd have to get the chopsticks, pick the squid up and chop its tentacles off. <laughs> wow. But that's that's so refined, I think. I think scissors are such an elegant tool to be have to have at the dinner table. A knife is so crude, the soaring motion. Snip. I was wondering, maybe this is a question of week, but what's your favourite kind of spoon? My favourite type of spoon. Yeah. Do you like teaspoons, soup spoons, dessert spoons? I like teaspoons. Yeah, I was going to say teaspoons. 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 It's yeah. got the most character. Yeah. yeah. And I like to eat my dessert and with teaspoons. And functional? Like, do you use teaspoons for things other than tea? Well, uh, yeah. ice cream. Yeah. Dessert, any dessert, because it forces me to slow down a bit. I'm, I'm, a get, bit I'm getting really into... And my, I probably got this from my brother, but I'm getting really into soup spoons. Um, oh, yeah. To scoop and stuff up, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, that's what usually they're, what they're good like, for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you prefer them over des- dessert spoons? Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I guess it's like, do you prefer a shovel or a spade? And um, I'm going shovel? for the shovel right now. Yeah. Which is the difference? I can't remember. Spades are flat. A shovel, you're moving stuff one place to the other. I think spade, you're digging oh, holes. Yeah. But so that's functional, right? Yeah. But the spoon's just the same. Yeah, it's just a random question. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, well, on a favourite spoon, Donna. Oh, look, you know, I went to all the galleries and things and had a great time. And um, Oh, no, this isn't something I've been watching. No. No, that's, an, that's, that's enough. I talked enough. Next person. Brendan, what have you been checking out? Um, recently, I've been trying to catch up with, on a lot of TV shows. Like, mm. I never actually get to watch TV shows when they're on TV. You have to kind of, like, sit down and watch a series in a day or yeah. something. And do you watch it on like a little bit fast forward? Because <laughs> some people do. If, if the show is that boring, I'll oh, just okay. stop it and move on to something else. Uh, oh, okay. What do you want? The chipmunk voices? And well, Fred had a housemate that a- used to watch things at like one and a half speed or something. Just fast enough so that you know it was chipmunk voices and not just like chopping it. But he watched like eight series of Stargate in a week <laughs> or something ridiculous <laughs> like that, just on double, like one and a half speed in his room. No, but there are a few films that were so bad. I watched the whole thing with on-screen um, uh, progress bar. So you, could, you could see how much longer you had to keep watching it for. Yeah. Um, I watched a few things, movies and fast forward. I can't remember what it, what it was though. Um, if if any of our listeners listen to this podcast in uh, double speed or something, oh. let us know. Mailbag at fangman.com. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know what we sound like. I mean, I could check it out myself. But. Well, you know, technically, back in the VHS days, everything that you watched was in fast forward. Mm. Uh, to convert all the Hollywood films from 24 frames to 25 for the Australian TV, they'd be all be sped up 4%. And so a few people who were quite perceptible to it noticed when they changed over to DVD... Um, friend of mine saw Pulp Fiction for like the first time at actual 24 frames a second mm. and suddenly he noticed like all the voices sounded deeper yeah yeah oh wow because yeah. I think American actually try and convert it properly to 29.7 they, they use the 3-2 the pull down yeah. method yeah but in Australia and Europe they're just like nah screw it they just speed it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. 
Oh, wow. I had no idea. So, yeah, I've been... um, I finally got around to uh, watching Game of Thrones uh, because everyone's been harping on about it for years, the last year or so. And I've wanted to watch it, just never had the time. And I I, I don't really... I never kind of download things uh, <laughs> dubiously. I, I usually wait for them to come out on, on DVD or like yeah. or Blu-ray. If so, they come out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, eventually. So Game of Thrones took a long time to come out, especially <laughs> in New Zealand. And so when it finally did, you know, I've got the Blu-ray sitting there and I only had time to watch the first eight episodes. Hmm. Um, and I've got to kind of get through it because already stuff from season three is getting spoiled for me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah have to catch up and uh walking dead as well i'm only up like halfway through season two i've got to find the time to catch up on those i've started watching breaking bad all right hey oh, i went and bought the first <coughs> series on dvd but i haven't started watching i it thought yet. you hated it i hated it because the the version that i acquired of someone it's not named names was like i don't know how old right. it is like eight it's years old probably, or something. yeah so i was like i don't know what it is 460 by Something, you know, yeah, on my yeah. screen, it's like this no, little I tiny did, thing. I and you did. put it on the full screen, it's like a bunch For of squares. For other people, so. I have re-downloaded a bit oh. of <laughs> Oh, favoritism. So that's why I bought, I bought it from an actual store on DVD. You're so supporting the, the old media for it. It's, it's dying. But how do you play a DVD on your iPad? Yeah, Fred? what are you supposed to do with it? On your I MacBook don't have Air. an iPod. I don't have a MacBook Air, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly, these things are useless. Yeah, Oh, what? <laughs> that's right. I bought it and I have no way of watching oh, it. You I'm could rip stupid. it onto your iPad. Oh, but that's illegal. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. You're persecuting me for obeying the law now. Fun? No, I'm just saying these people... Even laws can be wrong, Fred. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, um, so I started watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every time it kicks up, I'm like, I'm like, is this Firefly? Don't spoil it for me. The opening song, it's all like that sort of banjo <laughs> Firefly action. Is it? Yeah. I can't remember. It's weird. Oh, yeah, it, it is. It freaks too. me yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Well, anything that has a HBO... When I start a new HBO <laughs> show, I always think, I'm, oh, crap, I'm watching that show I watched before, because it has the same opening. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway. Breaking Bad's definitely on my list of things to get to. So is um, The Wire, and uh, that's, that's sitting there waiting to be watched. It's all worth seeing. It's all quite daunting, though. When you know there's like five seasons of this oh, no, thing, yeah, and it's no. like twelve episodes a well, season, each oh, one's an hour, I and you're found like, "Why really daunting?" But well, once they got into it, the why is what like ten hours a season. So I figure if I just set aside a week, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you probably understand more of it as well if you watch it. If you watch to it back, back to back, I can't believe the people who watched it over five years whether how they how do you keep all that in your head? Scrubs, I never got into Scrubs for years, uh, and then. I'd never seen it, and uh, and one day someone lent it to me, and I just sat down and watched the first two seasons like mm. in one straight run. They're like twenty episode minute, twenty minute episodes, are they? They are, but there's quite yeah, a few yeah, in yeah. a season. Yeah, yeah. It, that was like a full day. Because yeah. um, I find them, I find them not very satisfying. Twenty episodes anymore. Like once you've tasted the HBO. <laughs> yeah, for a comedy, I think it's okay. Cause yeah, this is true. At least, at least you know it, you don't have to wait very long if you want to get up and get something to eat or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, regular yeah, it's always the it's always the just one more yeah. just one more yeah. it's only 20 minutes and then you end up watching four in a row Ga- Game of Thrones I found the worst for that because you know, I'll sit down and go like I'm going to watch one episode no. and they always end on such a cliffhanger yeah. like oh, with just, shows just like that more. it's yeah. got to be at least two because then you get 
a cliffhanger and you get resolution. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, if there's just cliffhanger, you watch one episode, it's just cliffhanger and you're like, oh. But, but since they're still TV shows, there are still breaks throughout it where, you know, ads would be inserted. Mm. And I found it better. Just stop there. Because it's not mm. much of a cliffhanger. It's <laughs> easy to stop there than at the actual end of an episode. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, Game of Thrones used to have good cliffhangers. Oh, what about movies? Um, I pretty much watch everything. Like, the, the nine months of the year when I'm not working on films, um, I work as a cinema projectionist, so I actually get oh, to... Cool. Yeah. So, I pretty much see everything that comes out. What are you projecting these days? Well, Do you actually get to project film? Yes. Um, I started as a projectionist about five years ago because that was, like, kind of the last bastion of celluloid. It was the last kind of place you still got to... Touch. handle yeah uh, 35 mil film and, and use a splicer and everything and um you know gradually digital's been coming in but you know all the all the kind of cinema chains were cheap and they wouldn't make the transition until they were kind of forced to but it's finally reached its way to new zealand and within the next couple of weeks the last 35 mil projectors will all be disappearing and um and will you still be employed or does it still Probably require a not, projectionist? Not as much. I'm trying. Yeah. It's it's good because it's kind of motivating me to really get my uh, real filmmaking work to try and get to a point where that can support me and pay all the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll still have some work, and I I, I don't want. I'm a bit hesitant to fully kind of turn my back on on projection work because I do enjoy watching movies for free. Yeah. Now, Campbell, you were in yeah. Melbourne, I think. I don't know whether it was the same time, but P.T. Anderson was in Melbourne showing The Master in 70mm. Yeah, we hung out a bit. <laughs> Did you know about this? Or no, no, I didn't know about that. If I had known, I would have told you and seen if you... If Stalk him a bit. Yeah, or if they were still showing it in 70mm, you might have been able to see it. and that would I would have liked that, Yeah, but I didn't know about that at all. Yeah. I did go to the Game On exhibition. I didn't mention that. That, that was awesome. History of video games. So good. So it started with arcade. Oh, is that an Acme? Yeah. They're just perpetually doing video games. Yeah, I know. There was one last time I was in Melbourne. There was a game. Because I was there, it was all old, old arcade games. But yeah, it's like the same thing. History video yeah. games. So you got to play no. Gallagher or whatever. Gallagher. Yeah, I was just just this evening. I was having dinner with someone who'd just been to the expo and they're telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We, we got into this whole argument. Do over you get to play him or are you just watching? Oh hell yeah, you get to play him. Right. Yeah. yeah. What, Sorry, what was, you were, there was an argument. Oh no, no, we got into because these were they were quite. Uh, older people, and they were saying um, they don't really like the level of violence in video games. And then they uh, got into the whole, you know, it's quite a it's quite a sensitive subject in Australia. What with the the banning of R-rated games has that been lifted now? Of they're R-rated introducing games? it now. The contra- new controversy is is that they're going to up sense a whole bunch of stuff that they used to have as MA and just make them R's now, which is just a contradiction saying that they. They had this system where, oh, we're not going to have R's because we don't want them advanced, but then you actually let these things through and now you want to upgrade them. It was really interesting with um, when Alien vs. Predator came out because up to that point, the um, the Australian censors had uh, basically a policy of you know, if, if a d- distributor wanted to bring an R-rated game to Australia, they would say, you know, no, we don't find this acceptable for the MA level, uh, so you can either censor it or it won't be allowed for sale in Australia and usually the distributors would just go back and censor it and it never they'd always do a bit of a half-assed job and result in these glitchy games and the 
publishers of Alien vs. Predator, from what I understand, basically said, no, if you not if you don't want this game for sale, we're just not going to sell it in Australia. And I'm sure they knew that people mm. who wanted the game knew how to get it from overseas. So the um, the censorship office just kind of backpedaled a bit and said, well, okay, we'll review it again. And at that point, just gave it an MA and allowed it for sale. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like... Def- really defeats the purpose of mm. the entire system if yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think it just I, I i i'm not that fussed about old games getting upgraded i mean it's just like it should be up if you're a kid and you're under the care of a parent it should be up to the parent to decide how they want yeah, to raise the kid still buy did, did you read the paper uh, yeah that's fine yeah. but it's, it's a parent's choice it's a parent's until a, a kid can vote it's he, he you know, he should be a. His parents should be responsible for. Yeah. Him, you know? A few that's, years ago, I mean, that's not just a good thing. There's not always good parents out there, but yeah. Well, a few years ago, when they were really, the the issue was getting a lot of public attention. Um, they issued this paper where both sides were able to really express, you know, their arguments, and I really looked into it, and the arguments against having R-rated video games didn't make a whole lot of sense and one of them was um they basically said you can't always rely on the parents to know what's best for their kids and one of one instance was so they were saying uh in some rural communities the level of literacy with parents is is quite low so they won't be able to read the the restricted warning on the on the on the Mm. game and the counter to that was always well they know what an 18 mm. and a 15 is. And even if they don't know numbers, they're also colour-coded. Yeah. And or if they don't... Maybe that says that as a government we should be doing things to make better parents, you know. Yeah, well, um, if, if they can't... Increase if, literacy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. If that as a basic level, yes. If they can't read numbers and colours, they probably shouldn't be raising kids yeah. anyway. But at that point, you have to wonder, well, if they can't read the warning labels on the video games, then obviously they can't also read the warning labels on the movies and mm. the music and yeah, the book. Yeah. And oh, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. But uh, it was really interesting um, being over in New Zealand um, where they don't have the restriction on R-rated video games, but they did kind of, uh, they do kind of suffer a bit because Australia has it, uh, because every time an R-rated game would receive a censored version for the Australian market, that's the same version that would be released yeah, in New Zealand. Exactly. So they'd end up getting these often glitchy, mod modified mm. versions of the games, even though the original version was perfectly legal over there. Again. Oh, that's weird. All these, all these things that are getting in the things. way of art. <laughs> and people making money from art. Yeah. Um... You saw Argo the other day. Yes, yes. Yeah. Is uh, that any good? Argo was was very good. Um, Have you I, seen Ben Affleck's other films? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think he, yeah, he, he makes great films. He's a better director than his actor. But then his acting. Well, I don't mind movie. him as an actor, but I think he's like um, yeah, he's like like Mel Gibson like as a as a director. He makes for some really just great straight faced like no nonsense kind of classical stuff in mm. an, in an age where there's too much. Everything's just kind of too polished and hollow yeah like some like just nice and same with like george clooney as well i think like these actors turn directors who just make some like nice mature you know old-fashioned movies mm. Mm. Yeah. um but as a year like 
2000 it's nice to see an occasional good film come out because 2012 has been a pretty pretty disappointing year of movies did you end up seeing killing me softly and um yeah yes. lawless yes well don't spoil it because i don't really want to see them but they're by two australian directors right yeah going to or te- te- new zealand te- te- who have <laughs> oh. kept as ourselves I, yeah. I didn't actually know that andrew dominic was born yeah. in new zealand yeah. until i saw him interviewed on I new think zealand tv is, i think peter weir's even born in like yeah new peter weir's in new zealand um, isn't he? yeah i think he is actually. everyone is russell crowe and all the yeah. cool people are but yeah, um, hardly anyone's actually born here. Uh, is, do you got all the people you meet in New Zealand? Are just like the coolest people in the world. Um, they're very laid back, and hey, like, no, that's our thing. That's our thing, man. <laughs> or do we just steal that from New Zealand? Oh, Probably crisis. Um, and they're, they're ridiculously like friendly. Mm. Like it's really. Nah, yeah, it's we're cool. friendly. Yeah, that's our thing. And we're beachy yeah, and I, outdoorsy and matey yeah. mateship. I, I can unless really... you're a lebo, and then we'll get you. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that's. I can never really yeah, work out if, um, if New Zealand is Australia's Mexico or Australia's Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, Bali's probably our Mexico. <laughs> yeah, this is, oh, yeah, Bali. Good old well, Bali. cheap well, and well, um, yeah, browner yeah. than us. And well, well, can you New get Zealand- donkey shows? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, all, that, sure all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think New Zealand's our Canada. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. So they're two, Ast- at least Australian-trained you know, uh, directors. R- nurtured yeah. directors gone to Hollywood. Um, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Dominic. Like his previous two films are two of my favourites. Um, Would you Chopper s- and Assassination of Jesse James with the car Robert Ford? Mm-hmm. Longest title in history. Um, and I liked. I saw The Road and the Proposition. One is that by yeah John Hillcoat. John Hillcoat. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Would you Would you say that in your opinion, Lawless? You can call it an Australian film. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I'm just, it's, I don't think it's funded by Australia, is it? No, but I don't really think that should be. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, they're they're going over there and trying to make movies. Well, does it feel like New Zealand claims Lord of the Rings as a New Zealand film? When you go to a video store in New Zealand and it's got the New New Zealand films section, Lord of the Rings is in there. So is King Kong. (laughs) And I reckon by that standard, like, okay, Lawless wasn't shot in Australia, but you got the director is Australian, the writer is an Australian. The DOP is in Australia. Uh, actually, I don't know the DOP. Uh, oh, who DOP'd Lawless? I, can't. I was thinking Greg Fraser, I know, but, but Andrew he did Dominic kill had what the Coen Brothers cinematographer, Carl Robert Ford. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Richard. Um, I should know his name, but he was pretty cool. Yes, uh, he's he's really good. He, he, he Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the I think it was Killing Me Softly. Softly had. Um, Greg Frazier, the Australian DOP. Oh, cool. um, so, I, no, I can't think of who did Lawless now, but half the cast were Australian yeah. Lawless as well, which I think is really cool. Like, John Hillcote, even though he's making movies over in the States, he's hiring as many Aussies mm. as he can. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, without any spoilers, is it, are they completely different to the other stuff, or is it... Because I, I saw that um, Killing Yourself is, like, only 95 minutes long or something. Oh, Which really? is compared to Kyle Robert Ford, which is, like, three hours long. Um, yeah, it's it's quite di- like Killing Me Softly was really is it more Chopper or is it more interesting. Well, not even. I think probably a bit more like together. Chopper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in the sense that it's um, not. I don't mean to sound in a bad way, but it's it is kind of like um, ponderous. A little bit. Mm. It, it's it's very yeah. Well, that's like, and then when I think back on Chopper, yeah, it's yeah. very similar. Like it was just these long kind of 
long dialogue scenes and, and it was just a lot of character through yeah, through that's dialogue amazing, yeah right? uh, and it is quite funny but bleakly funny in a way yeah, yeah. what about you Fred consumption yeah uh, I went to the quantum photonic hardware conference at Rotnest all at Rotnest uh, all um I heard that was can you say that again it did have a massive downer quantum photonic hardware how did uh, that come to have a conference on Rotnest Island of all places? Um, it was more of a workshop. So the idea is you just put everyone in the sort of isolated uh, place that's really nice, so people want to go there and you can't was, get away. Yeah. So if it, was, if it was somewhere you know boring that nobody would turn up, yeah. just put it somewhere nice. Put everyone in like the same place and just hopefully just people talk and get some talk physics about happening. Yeah. Get some science going on. Is yep. it a girl thing or is that for guys too? There was one girl at the whole conference. Wow. Did you invite her on the podcast? Though? No. She's is she from I, Australia? I don't know. Her. Uh, it was mostly people from Queensland and Perth. Now, yeah. James was alluding to a bit of a problem. Did, can you talk about that? Uh, I think so. So, this guy called Sean Barrett... Should I be smiling? Or no. Is this, okay. <laughs> it's actually really sad. This guy oh. called Sean Barrett uh, was due to come to the conference. He arrived in Perth, got in a taxi, he was about... 10 minutes away from the airport, got hit by some dickhead who stole a car, and he and the, him and the taxi driver were killed mm. straight away. So Did you know was him? Was he a guest speaker, or was he just part of the workshop thing? He was going to talk, and my supervisor's friend knew him really well, and mm. so he had to go and ID the body and stuff, and it was all pretty rough. And you know, I mean, if it was meant to be like an intimate thing, it would have been pretty heavy. Yeah, so instead of him giving his talk... They gave it was like a wake almost. Yeah. So people would talk about him and they and people would send in condolences and stuff. Hmm. So it was like the worst start you could have to a conference. Someone just getting well, taken out. Yeah. But then you know, it was, once you move past that, it was just it was pretty good. Hmm. Quite interesting stuff. Even though I don't really hmm. understand most of it. God. So why were you there? Um. Why wouldn't I go? <laughs> Do you get paid to go? Uh, instead, I could okay, I could go to Rottenest for five days, or I could work in the. Lab. Oh, but like, what's? What, oh, you just wanted to go to Rottenest. So that's what you're saying. You no, didn't no, care no, no, no. Was, no, no, was this like that lake in Italy that you got to go? <laughs> yeah. That was bullshit similar, too. Yeah. Um, I should, well, you learn things. You might meet people. See what what other people are doing. Were your other colleagues going? Yeah, everybody was. Yeah, going. so it was so a bit of a. It was everyone. Yeah, just a bit of a booze crew. Bit of the crew really, going. Yeah, the yeah. Okay. Yep. Every night. Any antics? What do the physics get up to? Crazy. Kicking quackers? Getting kicked out of the pub oh. every night at midnight. Doing a whole... Going to every pub at Rottnest. Both of them. Wow. wow. Between them. And controversy, no Red Rooter? No Red Rooster. Uh-huh. Why not? Tragic. Yeah. <laughs> Subway instead. Ugh. It's just not the same. Eat fresh. Yeah. That's it fresh. Corporate. International, it shouldn't be allowed on Rottnest. No, it shouldn't. It should be local. Yeah. Um, that's about you it. Finished Borderlands Two. Yep. That was really good. Are you finished Borderlands Two? <laughs> he hasn't yep. finished Borderlands. I haven't finished Borderlands One. We finished Borderlands Two, and so I'm cutting. That. Apparently, apparently has a story. Oh, they all have a story. Well, apparently Borderlands One's so kind of oh, vague. Yeah, but this one's basically like you don't pay attention. To- nice shoot stuff. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to cut the Xbox. I was telling James before. I'm cutting it. That's spending the whole uh, spending eight hours a day on a, on the weekend playing Xbox is the biggest waste of time you could imagine. So it's cut. Yep. Yeah, it's cut. 
Now you can have two Xboxes. Now, shame. for you, it's not a waste of time. Hey. You should take the Xbox and play just like some Cal- of these Cal- short... Take the Xbox, Cal. <laughs> just one little play. No, just play some four-hour games like Limbo and Portal 1. And I think I it would be good for your artistic games. development. You know? yeah. I got really excited when I went to the Game On exhibition, especially playing... Because the exhibition sort of charts the earliest games, like the arcade games. Mm. And so it was all cabinets. And then it moved on to sort of um, early home console stuff. And then um, and then big kind of big creative names within it. Like, um, uh, I can't even name any of them, but there you go. I'm kind of trying to draw a blank. But the guys who did like Double Fine Studios now and... Um, is it Will Wright who did like the Sims series yep. a couple of other guys and then it moved on to like rhythm games and then indie games like all kind of um, limbo and things And um, but it was really cool but I just was so drawn to like the early stuff like the arcades all the cabinets where the control systems are unique to every game you know there, was, there wasn't standardised joystick and six buttons or anything it wasn't was, there like, just button? Joystick and button? Well, some of them were joystick and a button, and some of them had, like, a dial, and some of them had a track wheel, and some of them... They're all different. Ha- have you ever seen the film uh, King of Kong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I played King, uh, Donkey Kong there. It was really hard. Oh, it was really hard. <laughs> One of my friends... It wasn't fun. <laughs> One of my friends is starting a business. He's got maybe three of those arcade games now. You know the ones that are, like, tables? Yeah, I love yeah. those, yeah. Joystick and button, and... Um, it's got like 1942 and Gallagher and uh-huh. Pac-Man on it, and you put them in like some burger joint or a bowling alley or whatever, and then you split the money with the mm. with the owner. Yeah, make a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, it's totally awesome. It made me want to buy or have made a cabinet because you can have them made or buy them and sure, then you just know, program you could, like you know you can download like, like every a game. mobile phone computer now can yeah. run. Gallagher well, people do that, yeah, and, you know, just have every arcade game that can run and operate with that sort of control system, and then you can have it, because there's just something about a cabinet that's just so amazing. I don't have room for one. Do you know anything about the Turbo Graphics 16? Oh, I, well, I think I've heard of it. I think PC Engine. Mode 16 or something? No, the Turbo Graphics. It was kind of like this uh, system. Like a handheld? Uh, no, it was a console, but it was a 16, it was kind of like the Dreamcast, like it came in just after NES. Early. And tried to be 16-bit before the Super NES. and uh, I think I mainly remember it from comics where they advertised it in um, comic books. Yeah. Anyway, this 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 guy, I don't know if you follow the Giant Bombcast, it's a gaming podcast, but it's one of these guys who's decided he's going to collect these games. And um, he's been buying off the eBay, but they're being, um, you know, he, he, he get them off eBay, but their shipping prices are, like, astronomical mm-hmm. like, for the places that sell him. So he's worked out that he can fly to... This is from uh, California. Fly to Japan for tw- 48 hours, like, I don't know, either one or two nights in a hotel. Go to every sort of, you know, secondhand store in Japan with um, uh, with that sells secondhand games. Buy enough games to um, justify the cost of the flight just by the saving of the money of the shipping costs and possibly getting a slight discount because he's not bidding on them on eBay. Um so that sounds really nuts. Sounds um, like a terrible crazy. idea. But the 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 cartridge um, collecting market's going through a, a huge bu- bubble, yeah. I guess. Because all moment. the people that played those games when they were young mm. and now have proper jobs and like houses and they yeah. have this. But they're collecting. But you can get but the it's wrong. They're getting all nostalgic. You can get but the ROMs, but it's not the same. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. Well, and then he found the this. He was digging through because he's been covering games for. He's like 
40. So he's been covering games since the early 90s. And he found this unwrapped, you know, unwrapped version of this game he had bought. But because he got the the demo version to review it, he never, he didn't like the game enough to open up his own copy that he had ordered. Uh, so it's, he, and then he went and got it valued. And it's this one cartridge and it's worth like six thousand dollars or something yeah like you should check out this one that's just gone um for sale at a collector um it's put for sale it's like a legend of zelda prototype or like a demo nes cartridge or something mm. and he's put it on- online for like 10 grand or something or 16 grand mm. or something because he's just he just sort of said you know there's no precedent for this thing it's like it's like the rarest of the rare it's not even supposed to you know they're all supposed to have been destroyed or something and it's just madness but wonderful, glorious madness, and it's all going to burst. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's going to burst. I found it very interesting. Um, like phone cards. O- over in... Uh, yeah, like phone cards. Yeah. I don't know about here, but over in New Zealand, like um, cash converters are going pretty pretty strong. And uh, they... Wait, is they that a New Zealand se- invention? <laughs> they sell a lot of uh, retro games, but it's more expensive to buy a Sega Mega Drive or a Nintendo 64 than it is to buy a PS2. Hmm. Yeah, like, right. Like, like, like they charge a lot of money for an. What is it? There's stuck game traders PS2s. here now, isn't there? They're sort of small. They're like electronics boutique, but you, they stock old games mm. as well, yeah. and they keep all NES games and things. And some of them are like hundred bucks for a gold Legend of Zelda cartridge for mm. the NES, and you're just like, mm. man. <laughs> I was very, I, I was very kind of disappointed that I sold my N64 and all these games because years later I want to play it. Mm. Yeah. But it's funny as well because, you know, even playing ROMs of it on your computer, because the display system is completely different as well. Like, when you were playing those original NES games, you know, the pixels weren't crystal clear because the display wasn't crystal yeah. well, clear. Yeah, you know, it wasn't sharp. It was all blurred and it softened the graphics. They reckon CRTs. Yeah, well, you need to be playing it with a CRT. Because they become <laughs> so valuable to these Well, well that's the thing, yeah, because if you're playing with a, a nice LCD screen or something yeah. or an LED screen or plasma television or whatever, it's it's... A, the viewing experience, yeah. the gameplay is completely different. And apparently, because it's digital, different. there's a lag between it. Runs well, that's killing. No, it's true. It's killing a lot of rhythm games, like mm. games like uh, Parappa the Rapper. Apparently, it's almost mm. impossible to play that because of the delay, especially in the later stages, because it's so specific. Yeah. Between the well, between the TV and the yeah, when the uh, Can you play light gun games on a plasma. I don't know. No, you have to. That's why they brought out like the Wii and the Move because that uses a different technology. Mm. When they started installing digital projectors in all the cinemas, one of the first things I did was I um, invited a bunch of my friends to come in the cinema <laughs> on a Sunday morning, and we hooked up uh, like a PS3 and a, and a Nintendo oh, Wii, wow, and played it in the cinema. And then we found one of the first games we tried to play was Guitar Hero, but it yeah. was totally unplayable because the lag by the time it went from your your guitar to the machine to the server to the projector and on the screen it was it was like half a second behind or whatever so yeah it's kind of compensate game, for it it was yeah it was really weird um but it was awesome for like mario kart mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah do they ever have any old prints uh, around that you can play like well they kind of get stored because um trying to think what happened in, in Perth when I used to do it here um, the distributor was just like this um, uh, like like a, a shed in um, out in a business park somewhere mm-hmm. it was just this, this unit the business unit was just like a storeroom full of old prints whereas um, over in New Zealand I think most parts of the world 
that aren't as isolated as Perth, they actually ship the prints straight back to the distributor. But usually, to save on money, they kind of wait for them to build up a while and then mm. they send it back. So you you probably most cinemas probably have like a year's worth of old movies sitting there and every so often they just do one big shipment back to the distributors. But I went to um, the Embassy, which is the big classic cinema in Wellington. It's a beautiful cinema and that's where they did the world premiere of Return of the King. Mm. And they actually still had in the cupboard the 35mm print of Return of the King from the world premiere kind of just got used once and then put in the cupboard and it's still there like after 10 years wow. you're not allowed to pull it out well I'm kind of tempted to because um, you know uh, now that 35mm is kind of on its way out um, all these projectionists are starting to realise like oh this is the last time I'll you know I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put a film together or you know we'll project a film and we're all kind of like discussing the fact the last thing you want is for the last film that you ever spliced together to be something shit and yeah. <laughs> I think the last one I put together was like Paranormal Activity 4 and I was like they sent that you on, to you on film yeah yeah which is really strange but um, I think the last thing we're it's ever film, getting but I thought it was all get, captured with webcams and stuff. <laughs> I think the last sense. film we're ever going to get is like the Alex Cross or possibly the next Twilight movie. Surely the embassy they're going to go out right, with a bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think we're, we've still got like Dark Knight Rises and Avengers and stuff like that. So I might like splice one of them together and have one last screening before. What are you going to spl- are you going to cut up Dark you- Knight and well, they- Avengers together? <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> just intercut Mega between mix. Batman and and, oh, <laughs> and, and Return of the King. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So the embassy is not going to keep a film camera. around? Um, no, I think they're, which is really sad because they've got this amazing old vintage projector that, um, does both 35 and 70 mil. Hmm. Uh, it's an amazing old projector. They, they kind of dubbed it the Millennium Falcon because it's not so pretty to look at. (laughs) Was anyone showing the master in New Zealand? No, maybe they've got one IMAX screen that's up in Auckland. Hmm. Um, but it's nowhere near as big as the one in, you ever been to the one in Sydney? I went, I flew specifically to Sydney just to see Dark Knight Rises and IMAX. I, yeah, that's the only reason I was there. I went there, then waited at the casino until my flight and then went home. (laughs) I went over there to see Inception. I think that's the only thing I've ever seen in IMAX. Mm. I was going to go over for Dark Knight Rises and Mm. then just couldn't find the time, yeah. And what's amazing, it's not just the, the video that's better, it's the audio as well. You can actually understand what Bane's saying. <laughs> Compared to the Perth IMAX, I couldn't work out what the hell he was talking about. I thought Bane was hilarious. Yeah. He sounds like Marvin the Martian, Cross with Patrick. We story. can't talk about it because Campbell oh. hasn't seen it. You can talk about what he sounds like. Yeah. But, um, did you ever watch, like, the first thing I did after watching Dark Knight Rises is I went home and on YouTube there are comparison videos where people have put you know, that first trailer where it had his voice before they went back and kind of rejigged mm. it to make it more understandable. That's why I wonder, because I saw, you know, I couldn't go on premiere week to Sydney, so I saw it in Perth digital IMAX, which is not good, but it's better than seeing a normal cinema because you get the full aspect ratio. But, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I might, because I, I didn't see it in Sydney for two weeks later, so I wonder if maybe they'd shipped another print over because everyone had complained about, 
you know, his voice or... No, they just changed it from... They tweaked it a little bit from when mm. the first... You know when that six-minute preview? Yeah, you saw yeah, the yeah. first six minutes? I didn't see that. I didn't watch that because oh, I refused. Okay. I didn't want to see any spoilers or, you know. Yeah, well, that... I think I did watch, I did watch it because I wanted to hear, see what everyone was going on about. I saw mm. it on YouTube because everyone was going on about how you couldn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> and... I, I did notice when I first watched Dark Knight Rise in the cinema that it was a lot easier to understand Bane than it was on that mm. in that first six minutes, and and they had obviously cleaned the audio up a bit. Yeah. Um, but I kind of hope that if yeah, I hope Christopher Nolan and that keep doing and PT keep doing do big film films on IMAX or seventy mil uh, or sixty five or whatever it is um, until digital cameras actually catch up to that mm. you know eventually like i've talked about you'll be able to hold an imax camera in your hand because you know it just that's the way technology is going is yeah. like did you uh have you paid much attention to the kind of controversy around uh wally fister's comments about avengers no he he said that oh yeah he, yeah he made this statement about how he's uh, right though the the cinematography <laughs> in avengers he said was appalling yeah, I, I think that is like the it. word he just yeah, yeah. appalling. But it, you know he's saying things like yeah they they would pick these camera angles which were, which had no story purpose just to show off how how cool the set looked. But on the other hand, the first thing that made me think of was well, no matter what crazy angles they had, at least Avengers was in focus because yeah. that was one of the problems. Dark Knight Rises was the choices to shoot so much in seventy mil meant that. There was a lot of soft focus yeah, I in scenes. Didn't mind. The thing I hated in Dark Knight, it was just so... Uh, for whatever reason, I found it really badly edited. Yes. Like, so often, it would cut away from a shot you wanted to see more of. Sometimes, it didn't cut quick enough. Um, there, were, there was actually... And, I, and the story-wise, like, I can't talk about it at the end, yeah. but he should have cut at a certain point... And that would have made the greatest ending over, but then they had to keep going. Well, well there, are, there are actually things in that ending mm. where people who have read the script, which is easy enough to get a hold of, um, have said that the way that things unfold in the film are different to in the script. Like mm. in the script, things are in a different order, which makes perfect sense. But you can see mm. in the film, they've they've reordered things to make to just heighten the drama a bit. Yeah. But uh, it actually when you think about some of them don't make sense all that yeah. much I, I I feel like if they if they've still got all the the raw negs around you could re-edit a way better version of that movie like it seemed to be had all the elements of like a brilliant movie that seemed to be spoiled by editing for me mm. oh, that's a shame um Anyway, so, so you didn't like it after seeing it twice? Is that no, it yet? was it was good. It just wasn't Dark Knight good, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that I felt like oh. that was kind of like the whole year was kind of disappointing. When mm. at the start of the year, this this like was kind of shaping up to be the most amazing year mm. of movies between yeah. Dark Knight Rises and Prometheus and Avengers mm. and like all these films, each one was meant to be, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And not, right, not just in big budget, but, like, I'm obviously a huge fan of Andrew Dominic, his film, the new Baz Luhrmann. I'm a huge fan of him, which is rare. He only makes a film, like, once every 10 years. And, um, you know, the, obviously, John Hillcoat's film, um, Moonrise Kingdom, Wes Anderson, all these lots of little films that just seemed just as exciting to me as the big films as well. Like, um, And so, some of them have been good. Looper? That's another thing I've consumed. I like Looper. I moved it. I, I 
I found Looper disappointing. Um, yeah, it wasn't brilliant. I enjoyed it, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. If but- you got hyped up for that movie, you would have... I, I didn't like the trailer, so I was a bit down on it, but I... Yeah. yeah. I, I really quite liked the trailer, but um, I found Looper to be this year's drive. Mm. I found it was fine. It was a good, entertaining movie, but there's something about it that just kind of captured people's attentions and they started proclaiming it greatest movie of the year and you know, yeah. I think don't yeah don't get don't overburden it yeah. with that's too much. I, I remember like, I was trying to get Camel to watch Drive because I knew he'd like it but I didn't want to hype it up too much so I was just like just watch this movie Drive just watch it you know mm. because yeah if you go into thinking Drive think it's, it's so bits of it so flawed that you hype it up too much you don't but if you just go into it and not expecting it it's just like whoa mm. someone yeah. made this yeah. you know like see I saw Drive the day after watching 13 Assassins at a film festival yeah and so just nothing compared to 13 Assassins oh, really? so that's worth saying that 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 was the greatest movie that I saw last year yeah okay uh, yeah. I'll have to check that out um, yeah so that's what I've been consuming I saw Looper I saw it twice because I went and saw it with the commentary track um, oh, how was that? I've been it was fun. Um, uh, one important note for Australians is he says to start playing at the Paramount logo, but obviously in Australia it's not distributed by Paramount or whoever he's or TriStar, what kind of who it is. So you just have to, you have to. It's hard to know where to start it because of the weird ads that we get in front of ours version mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, but yeah, that was fun doing it because he did it for Buzz Bloom, and I never got around to seeing it, so I regretted what it, what not. What is it. this thing? Well, he listed the director's commentary. So he he recorded it, put it on the internet. Yeah, but instead of a DVD, you can put it as a podcast and take it into the cinema and listen with your headphones. It's their way of encouraging you to pay for another ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And in this day and age, you know, you need that. It's really clever when when you told me you were doing that. I was like, wow. I I just don't want to see a cinema full of people with light coming from their iPad. It's like when they have their headphones in. Well, they shouldn't do. Once you've got it going, you just put it in your pocket and go. Um, I did book a seat because you had to book a seat i had booked a seat in the corner so i didn't disturb anyone oh you are so considerate <laughs> why yeah. no it's well, great i already seen it the first time right center yeah, yeah, right, where yeah. i like it but yeah that, I, the other night i i went and saw lawless and killing me softly both at interlude and in the last couple of years i've forgotten how badly behaved Perth cinema audiences oh, are yeah. at particular cinemas answering mm. phones yeah oh <laughs> really? um was it yeah. uh, lawless uh, we had these, like, you know, teenagers that you wonder... It's it's obviously not even their kind of film. Mm. You wonder why they're there in the first place. But there was this one girl who answered her phone several times throughout the film and then would get up, walk outside, come back here and sit down and answer the phone again, walk out and... Uh, you, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People answering their phones in the cinema. I, I was wishing I had I'd gotten a seat on an aisle, so I could have just gone straight down there and picked up a th- phone and <laughs> yeah, that's or right. something. Yeah, I didn't want to have to climb over like five or six people <laughs> to do it. Though. That's yeah, very bad. Um, there is a great video on YouTube actually. Um, Anthony Hopkins, who's doing uh, Hitchcock, they've made this video with him in character as Hitchcock mm. doing a, a PR message telling people to turn their phone off before mm. the... Well, if you see his trailers for his movies, he always introduces it and said, this is going to be my new film and this is how it's going to be awesome before yeah. it. And I'm like, man, I wish directors did that now. You know, yeah. I know they sometimes do it for you know iTunes, movietrailers.com or whatever. But 
Oh, Hitchcock. Um, I thought you were talking about Anthony Hopkins. No, no, sorry, Hitchcock. I haven't seen him do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, while you're at it, they should get, you know, they should follow in the vein of Frank Castle and have, you know, skeletons pop out from behind your seat and things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Tingler, I think yeah. they had as well. Um, so, what else have we got? There's a lot of show notes, actually. It's quite... I don't think well, we've been, we've been building up. Um, well, let's just do a kind of machine gun show notes. Uh, well, I want to talk about stuff that I've been watching. I oh, we haven't Looper. even... What? We haven't even gotten through what have you been consuming. No. Fred Jeez. talked about... So, I talked about Looper. I also oh, went back... <laughs> um, went back and watched Brothers Bloom, which I... It was okay. I didn't... I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it was a fun movie. Um... That's also by Ryan Johnson, director of Looper. Don't yawn um, so loudly, Kevin. <laughs> oh, did I yawn really loud? Sorry. <laughs> I've written down... We obviously haven't done a show in a while because I've written down Supreme Commander, which I I was, I was, got back into, which is like... Um, Total Annihilation? Yeah. It's a, the sequel of the spiritual sequel of Total Annihilation, which you guys ever play. I know Fred did. Did I, you play? What, Total Annihilation? Deep. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't as deep as you two. I basically yeah. spent all of Christmas Day playing Total Annihilation... Doing nothing else. Yeah. Like, this is a kid or recently? <laughs> oh, yeah, when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so... And they released Subcrugger and they made a sequel which was produced by um, Square. And so that... I, and I'm not going to play Square it. Enix? Yeah, Square Enix. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to play it. But so the single player has all these sort of, like, anime characters, like, facing Is this off. new, is it? Like, last year. Like, oh. I bought it last year and is I played this, it. Are you talking about Supreme Commander? Two. Yeah, oh, sequel okay. to oh. Supreme Command, yeah. Because isn't Total Annihilation getting a kickstarted sequel at the moment? Right, so the... Yeah. Oh, sorry. But that's another so spiritual half success. the team... Oh. Half, the main guy behind Total Annihilation, he made Supreme Commander as a spiritual sequel because he couldn't get retain the rights yeah. to say Total Annihilation 2. And the other guys who worked on Total Annihilation, they've now decided to... Because, um, you know, Supreme Commander 2 was a bit of a bomb. Um, and they've kickstarted their own spiritual sequel to... Um, uh, Total Annihilation, and it's going to be, I guess it's going to be like Mario Galaxy, where you're playing on sphere planets, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, what's it called? Um, planetary Commander or Planetary Yeah, Planetary Annihilation. Annihilation and uh, I've, so I've I bought my copy already, and cool. who knows when it'll ever be out, or if it does come out. But um. Any update on the Leisure Suit Larry remake that's happening <laughs> on Kickstarter? Uh, no. Really? HD? I, I, Did it get yeah. funded? Yeah, got oh, funded, no, yeah. No. I never played those games. Have you been ever. keeping up to date with the... Um, Goon Kickstarter that David Fincher's producing. No, I, I haven't. I don't got any money to put in there. I did buy the new Charlie Kaufman's thing that got yeah, kickstarted. Yeah. I bought that. Um, oh, has David Fincher got a Kickstarter? He's yeah. producing. Uh, Holy shit! <laughs> well, they're doing an animated film of the Goon yeah. comic book, which they've been trying to get off the ground for a long time, and so they've um, they've asked for four hundred thousand dollars basically to do an animatic of the film it's just, oh, it's just, okay, just yeah. to do the animatic because that'll that'll help get the ball rolling um, but I'm surprised it didn't explode like I thought this thing would go nuts and, and they'd be yeah. getting in the millions but last time I looked at it um, it was a few weeks into it and and only it was up to about 160,000 or so. Yeah, the Goon's which, not that big a property, Yeah, well, though. the Goon's not that big. And but with Fincher. Kickstarter, yeah, I know, yeah. With Kickstarter saying, oh, it's just going to be an animatic, you know, people yeah. want their final product, you know. They yeah. want to pre-order the movie. But, but things either get funded, like, in the first 48 hours or in the last 48 hours. Mm. And it, it, if you look at lots of charts and things with Kickstarter, mm. it doesn't matter if your Kickstarter campaign is mm. six months or 12 months or 18 months. It's, it's the beginning and the end that... 
Mm. Like ninety yeah. percent of projects yeah. get funded in. Mm. I think I've, I've been doing yeah. a, a ton of research. Oh, okay. Kickstarter so yeah, yeah. recently because um, because uh, we're actually doing a campaign next year. Hopefully yeah. through Kickstarter and possibly maybe in Indiegogo. Uh, well, no, in Wellington. Yeah, but yeah. So you know, if it goes well, um, we'll say it happened in Perth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, in yeah. Perth, the, the film body is saying that if you do one of these and it's successful, we'll match. But you have oh, to do doing? it through Possible. That's yeah, because it's a well, partnership with Possible. Kickstarter, you can't. Oh, that's great. You need a, a US billing address. Yes. Yeah, to yep. use. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah, Possible's like the Australian Kickstarter. Um, but it is very interesting, and I, and I hope that more kind of film funding bodies are going to follow that lead. Like we we specifically went and had a meeting with the New Zealand Film Commission mm. and basically said like, check out this is you know. These guys are doing it. Like, what? You know, are you guys going to play ball as well? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow cool. their lead. Yeah. So it was cool to see like WA kind of taking a lead in this. Um, but it's um, it is very interesting because it's a way not only to raise money but to prove that you know a project that you have mm. there's a marketable audience for it that people are willing to actually you know. Because I remember you were trying to get that project with the World War One zombie. Thing. That's that's what we're doing the Kickstarter uh, cool. for. I, I thought I saw. I remember like. I, I remember when this whole thing, I was like, I wonder if Brandon would do that because I know you've got a bunch of people to like on Facebook and stuff, but not there's no monetary value in that. Yeah. No, um, so basically what we're doing is we've got, uh, yeah, we've got a, a sort of a fantastic crew together because mm. I've kind of been cherry-picking all the people I want from, like, kind of PJ's crew. Uh, and you know we're just trying to time our production for when all these people are av- are available in between kind of the big film productions going on uh, but yeah we need a certain amount of money so we're going to do a Kickstarter campaign to raise a portion of the budget but mainly to also show that to test the waters and see how much of a market there are how many people kind of would want to see you know zombies and, mm. and tanks and things in the yeah, same yeah. movie and then, yeah, if, if if we can raise enough from Kickstarter, then hopefully that'll also be enough to you know, it would give an incentive for the funding bodies and, and other parties to to kick in the rest of the money mm. and then get us over the line and into a green light. Cool. Well, if you're back in Perth, you need to record a director's commentary. <laughs> Coming down here, lovely screens to watch the tele. Yeah. Oh, lovely CRT. I'm sure we're, once we once we're doing our <laughs> our crowdfunding campaign we'll be plugging it everywhere and yeah. and, and, and drumming to our, support wherever we can uh, 79 listeners most of them are in Korea yeah. so you have to do a Korean dog uh, yeah. big in yeah. Korea have, we talk about this every week we're huge oh, in Korea our yeah. fans are. It's, it's too hard a to third of our listeners are Korean so one person <laughs> <laughs> zing um oh so I don't, or maybe I should transition to science news. We've been talking about the arts a bit, um, a heap. Um, so no, no, no. I was watching an episode of the new season of Big Bang Theory, which Fred hates as a scientist. I don't hate it; it's just. Um, but I had to. It's too. I wanted to bring it up because they've had the most realistic depiction of space travel since Apollo thirteen on uh, their what show. What does that mean? Yeah, was well, it, one of the characters mean? went to the ISS, right? So they actually filmed scenes in a Soviet. Well, 
I don't know if it, I don't think they used a real Soyuz capsule, but tried to. Obviously, the set was a Soyuz capsule, you know. And then they went up to space, and he had to be like, you know, feeling sick from the weightlessness, which is all true. And you know, they didn't show any of the glamour of it at all. And then he had to come back to Earth with a thud. So within within the world of the show, one of the characters actually went to ISS. Yeah. Or he had a dream. He went to the ISS. No, he actually actually went to the ISS. Yeah. <laughs> kind of belittles it a little, does it? The ISS or the show? Yeah, Are you thinking Big Bang Theory? Jump well, the they're shark. all meant to be. They're <laughs> yeah. all meant to be like you know, world-renowned scientists and engineers and stuff. Yeah, I, I've never seen this show. I, uh, yeah. Admittedly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, well, that's what amazed me. I was so impressed. Most of these shows are like, oh, jump on the space shuttle, even though it's retired, and go up, and you walk around the ISS because they've suddenly invented gravity. And what most shows do this? You know, all the other shows, other shows yeah. where characters like what that episode of like Becca. Armageddon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that wonderful one in no, Frasier where he goes. As, <laughs> movies as well. Oh, okay, all right. Um, I got to yeah. say, some of the equations... This is super nerdy. Some of the equations on the walls of that show are real and written down correctly. That's what I'm saying. So, they have science advisors to tell... And what they talk about is... I don't know if it really makes sense, but, you know, it's real word, scientific words. So, but then, <laughs> They must have a scientific advisor who said, well, if we're yeah, going to go yeah. to... So, that, anyway, I got, I got pretty excited that they had actually gone to some effort and they even got uh, one of the real astronauts to be the guest pilot on the show. And, um, and uh, But they ruined it almost the next episode after that storyline finished by having one of the characters like have a hologram that was like amazing and stuff like that so well, I was going to say are, are they going to get into kind of science fiction territory I mean that would be the perfect be sort cool of show they where start going to the they future. could have time travel yeah, yeah. stuff and mm. be like Dennis revisiting past episodes that is chuck chuck <laughs> when like future Wallowitz oh what when he goes to the ISS no that's <laughs> a lot I start to have problems with Big Bang Theory. I love the show, but like, oh, okay. there are some times where I have problems with just just kind of the uh, the nerd aspects of it. I don't think in some it's instances don't don't, don't ring truly. No, there's one episode that kind of bugs me where Sheldon is trying to. He's in this argument and he's arguing that Wolverine should have like bone claws. Which is which is something that got retconned in X Men. It's like it's like with Star Wars, the whole argument with Han shot first, like mm. like. It's it's kind of I find it really against Sheldon's character that he'd he'd be such a, a luddite like he would mm. he would be kind of arguing you know at first you know, this is the way it was I thought he did have bone claws no first. that's something they added Frank Miller added it way later on oh okay so originally but no. then which one are we oh okay but so then who how okay so originally the originally, first, originally, first iteration of Wolverine, when he was in the Hulk. Yeah, like the first yeah. iteration of Wolverine, like the claws were implanted, and okay. and then you know, but in the show, like as he holds up this e- issue of X Men as evidence, but it's like such a later issue, you know? right? And okay, like, yeah. Mm. Well, th- I always thought, I assume that's just a preference thing, then, isn't it? Mm. To say, but uh, uh, I, I think I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, though. but I as a character, you like you know, Sheldon, he's always got to be like you know the one to be right. Yeah, and and yeah. I don't know. I, it bugged me a little because I was like, surely he would be the one who like tries to prove how hardcore fan he is by knowing, you know, the origins. Like, the action, yeah, 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 yeah. But things, yeah, things get retconned so often, don't they? That's... But Wolverine's such a mm. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the anyway, the other thing I want to talk about is the um, it's un- the show has unintentionally created one of the strangest 
sort of characters on on TV, you know, um, and just and it seems to be completely by accident. I don't think the the creators have put any thought into this because originally the idea was there's four geek guys and there's one you know blonde girl bit of a bimbo who wants to be an actress and um and that's how they meet up right but then the cast expanded where two of the characters got like long-term partners um which were both their geek girls so now it's like got to the point so there's six geeks and still this one uh this one blonde girl called penny and I I had to I, I rewatched the whole show to try and get my at head one around and a half this. speed. Yeah, <laughs> at one and a half speed to get my head around this because I I after the show's been on for a while, I'm like, where is this character storyline like going? And basically, this girl she basically ends up part of the group because she starts dating um this guy because she like it's her last straw like. It's sort of set up as this romantic thing, but then when you rewatch the show, she starts becoming, because of her failure as an actress, she starts drinking more and stuff like that, and eventually she just gives up and it's like, oh, fine, you can be my boyfriend now, right? Rather than the romantic thing, like the romantic it's kind not of a pinnacle. It's a, it's a yeah, they're not the romantic ideal. Like they actually found each other through the division of their two cultures. Um, it's it's more like she just gave up and like she's resisted, right? And then they broke up for a while. And, of course, um, he got all this action, but that she'd become more and more of a loser and loser, like, becoming more of an alcoholic and not having a job and stuff like that. And she started becoming more friends with his friends, but he they didn't have anything to do with it. Now they're trying to bring them back together. But it just seems, like, clear, like, for him, he's like, oh, awesome, I'm with this hot girl. But she's just, like, becoming this most pathetic character, like, almost, like, reminds me of, in a very sterile way, Dee from... Um, Dee from... Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Which is intentionally made to be the worst possible character, you know. But this is... But she has a f- massive flaws, though, D from Sunny. Yeah. So. Well, this... Yeah. She belongs there. Because occasionally they make out that they drag her down, but she always... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's, this show is, like, trying to make out that the pe- this Penny character is, is um, you know, it, it's... She's trying to cross the boundaries between nerds and non-nerds or whatever but that. But she's really just become this pathetic character. And it's just a weird fascinating thing to see what mm. they try and do with this character. Brendan? I just, Thoughts? I just I've never seen the show. Think they, I don't know if they ever intended the show to run as long as it has <laughs> been. Like I think the success has kind of surprised them and they're just kind of tr- trying to keep yeah. it going season by season. So they don't really have... You know, they always run into just problems with TV shows when they have two characters like hook up because you can only keep the will-they-won't-they they thing going so long mm. and then as soon as they actually get together, it's like happened in um was it moonlighting with Bruce Willis <laughs> like that died that as long as they got together <laughs> and things like what is it like um Bones and all those shows like as soon as they kind of get together what about X-Files and, yeah. and that, that's what was kind of cool about like I watch Castle sometimes mainly just because Nathan Fillion is in it yeah. <laughs> but um like that was that's kind of good because like They've kept the two characters apart as long as mm. they can. Because as soon as they get together, the show's over. I really want um, Penny to get to, uh, you know, steal. What's his name's? What's who's the who's the theoretical physicist? Sheldon. Sheldon. Steal his virginity and make a huge like bust up with his girlfriend and stuff like that. That'll be just and just let the whole. 
Sounds yeah. like you need to do some fanfic. Yeah, I yeah, want to do yeah, that. Have you ever watched the I saw, I've written I've written some Gossip Girl fanfiction. Because <laughs> 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 they have a very similar character, Blair, where all the other characters in the show are just terrible. And then there's one character, Blair, who they've accidentally made this really sort of dynamic character that, you know, has to overcome her flaws and goes on a journey to become a better person. Have you stuff, thought about yeah. kickstarting any of yeah. these? Can I show Zoe your Gossip no, Girl well, fanfic? No, but I'm writing... Uh, <laughs> a piece that obviously I'm going to change the names but people who know Gossip Girl and if, they, if this movie gets made they'll go oh my god it's all connected it's like a spiritual sequel to her storyline <laughs> Gossip Girl to a TV show that's currently running so this is, no but it's going to be its last season this is going to be your year. Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey that's exactly <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. no it's going to be way more cool than that no, I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grey could be cool it's not no, just, just but it's going to be like Total Nation the Supreme Crown is going to be a spiritual <laughs> sequel too yeah but the people from spiritual you have to have something to do with the original to, yeah, to justify it, the right? spiritual he watched sequel it. yeah I watched it for it are you doing a lot of shipping in this is there a lot of like shipping relationships oh relationships uh, you well, know, it's, it's where you like you, you as a reader really believe in a relationship between two characters that's never going to happen and, and isn't meant to happen so you just make it happen in your own work yeah so often in fanfic like it's like is that the term yeah Draco and Snape are totally having it off they're meant to be lovers yeah and yeah. it's like oh, no they're not no it's not going to be like that but it's it's a bit like that no <laughs> just a <laughs> little bit but I, I do like want to do that with other things though oh yeah but yeah. not this like not the Gossip Girl one is that your Becca like, one with <laughs> No, well, like, Cast lots of reunion. people... Okay, so, you know, I'm, like, a Jane Austen fan. But, and lots of people do this. They try and take some of their characters off and try and do spin-offs, like, as fan fiction. But I, I have an idea that's way better than all the others. Because I've read... I tried to read some of those and they're just... Is it, awful. like, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? No, it's like that, but actually good. <laughs> <laughs> and no zombies. Oh. Are you going to write it in the style? In the style, yeah. How do we even get onto this? Oh, Big you Bang Penny, Penny you're talking Sorry. about from Big Bang. Oh yeah, so I was trying to transition to science here so we can keep moving on. Yeah, so is that a girl thing or what? Fred? What? No, no, is we've what got some thing? follow-up, okay? So last episode, oh. we were talking about... Um, <coughs> Gravity? Yeah, we were talking about... Is that uh, a girl thing? Trying to work out what height you have to be to feel weightless. Like what height off the ground after that Red Bull it, space jump thing. Um, so this Mad Hatter uh, wrote. Um, Are you gonna read the whole thing? It's huge. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's too long, James. Well, Fred. But first of all, thank you, Mad Hatter, for thank writing you very much. Um, he rent a lot of trouble to answer my question. Yeah, it's really accurate. But well, basically, he's trying to work out um, at what really height. Yeah, because, I mean, the question is, is that obviously you're always going to, f- you're never going to be perfectly weightless, like zero gravity, right? Yeah. But what point, say, if you're, at the, the idea being what point, if you were setting up a space hotel, how high would you have to build it off the ground for the, your customers to go, hey, I'm enjoying the zero gravity, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> without being in free fall? And so, he he answered his, this question what was he saying? It's beyond the kind of orbit of the moon. No, he's basically saying that you can, uh, at some point, it'll... F- but at what point does the human body just sort of go, whoa, So, he's saying, he's like, saying, so if exactly. I built a tower 36,000 miles tall and stood on top of it, it I would be 40,000 miles from Earth's center of gravity instead of 4,000. I would wait... 
uh, and I would weigh 2.6 pounds instead of 260 pounds. Um, and he says, but is that weightless? That's up to you. Mm. Um, that's up to the customer side. Like, that's ultimately what you're doing as a business. When you set up your hotel, you just say, we guarantee less than point. Yeah, point yeah, yeah. He, he, his maths yeah. doesn't make any sense there. I think it does. Like, I changed my well, mind. Well, if you go, if you go, so if you're forty thousand instead of four thousand, the yeah. weight would decrease exponentially, though, wouldn't it? So it wouldn't. No, be so it's proportional to the f- the factor squared. Factor of x squared. Yeah. So so so, so if you go ten times higher, you'd be a hundred times less. Oh, it, it's ten times higher. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah right. Okay. Yeah. So it goes to two. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But sometimes when days. I've been laying down watching something or reading a book and I sit up really quickly, I feel weightless. Yeah. Mm. So, you don't even have to be on the second story of it's the like building. It's like sometimes if I drink heavily, so everything's spinning around and, like, well, you know, there you you're go. in orbit or something. A whole bottle of vodka guaranteed to make you feel weightless. Plus, yeah, it's just whatever whatever distance you have to be to be, uh, to be yeah. in orbit, really. As long as you can get it in orbit, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be effectively weightless. So, is someone... Suggesting we build a space hotel. They already have. No, because well, obviously oh. the problem that comes up, the reason we brought this up last week is cause everyone, when you ask this question, what height do you have to be if you're weightless? And then, like, well, everyone says, well, technically, at some point you're going to feel gravity from some body in the universe, no matter mm. how far you are away from anything. You know, there's always going to be something dragging you in. But that's not, doesn't really answer people. I think, I don't think it's a f- question of freefall because aren't satellites several hundred kilometers from the surface of the Earth? How high is the satellite? Yeah, but he, he was also saying that if you built a tunnel under the Earth that was, and you could orbit inside it and basically free fall inside it at going at the right speed so you're in a state of free fall without touching the other side for a long time, yeah. you would still feel weightless. You Just would. as like the g- c- vomit comet, so you can take the planes and feel weightless by doing certain revolutions, right? Yeah, but that's all orbiting is. You could orbit... Oh, is this true? You could orbit this far above the surface hmm. of the Earth and feel weightless, I think. But if, if you're what going if you wanted to orbit, fast. you didn't want to orbit, yeah, so, so you can always looking down on top of, you know, Australia or whatever But they have that. Want. It's called geosynchronous orbit. Basically, you just orbit okay. far enough out that you're always looking at the same spot. You're but would you feel weightless up there? That's the whole point, I think. And this is... I should know this. I have visually fits. But it's like, if you're in the space shuttle and you're orbiting around, you feel weightless because you're basically constantly in free fall and so hmm. there's no net gravity on you. But if you're blasting out on a rocket just straight up, hmm. you don't necessarily feel... For, like weightlessness until one you've stopped accelerating because yeah. even if there's no gravity if you're accelerating you'll still feel the, the push and you're like quite far from the earth mm. because if a satellite's only orbiting at several hundred kilometers i don't know if that's true but i don't think it's like thousands of kilometers that they orbit that's not that far from the the surface of the mm. earth you know the atmosphere is only 100 kilometers no. high and the actual earth is 2000 kilometers to the center so it's like this little sliver on top. Yeah, you mm. might as well be a So, it's not the like the gravity has diminished because you're further away. Mm. It's just sort of gone because you're in this free fall. But so, like, if you're in... If you're flying from... In, you've got the Starship Enterprise or whatever, and you're flying from Milky Way to the Andromeda Galaxy, and you're in the middle about... Or you're halfway... You're a quarter way there. Yeah. Right? You don't... When you jump up, you don't fall fast back towards the Milky Way, do you? No, you sort of float. Not. You just back, float. Yeah. There'd be zero. Even zero though there period. is some, you might slowly move back. Yeah, towards. but it's the talking like minuscule, minuscule amounts. Right. It's like you know, 
Inferior. So a customer would be satisfied if they wanted a weightless experience. They'd be satisfied by well, the, the thing is, orbit, like, and then you'd be weightless. The thing is, you know, if we're talking about ourselves as you know sensory organs, an arrangement of sensory organs, and we're talking about light waves and sound waves and things, our organs aren't sufficiently developed to be able to register those slight differences. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So what, you know, like a, yeah. a weightlessness that you feel on a roller coaster. That, that's yeah. that's yeah. about as weightless so, as yeah, we can what- feel. Yeah. yeah. Well, know? well, yeah. I mean, like free falls, really the only way because if you're talking about like it depends how you're sensing, you know, weightless. If it's just the fact your body's floating, or or say, because if you're even if you're like in an orbit, in a very low orbit, um, you still have basically like a, a like centrifugal force acting on your your organs. Um, you know, your your um, even just you know in your ears, like yeah, your, I your think sense of balance. You're yeah. still. I, I think it's like, less a question of physics and it's more a question of how our body how you senses feel. those things yeah how what are your feelings i was are? talking to this german guy at this conference about the vomit comment mm. and he was saying they've got there's like a guy who runs the this forest line there's a guy who runs the throttle you know the pitch and the one guy does the yaw one guy does the engine they have to work in in perfect tandem to actually get this thing and despite all these instruments what they do is they fly up and the guy he has a ballpoint pen and he picks it up and he just like places it like in the cabin in front of him and he basically just watches it and keeps it in the same spot relative to himself and that's basically how they fly the thing wow yeah cool that's crazy oh thanks Mad Hatter going to the trouble yeah no that was a fantastic uh, while we're on that topic have have any of you guys none of you guys have seen the Total Recall remake no no so that, but I don't plan on, so feel no, free to that, spoil it But that for drove me, me crazy, because the whole idea is they've got this gravity elevator where basically they ship people from one side of the Earth to the other by just dropping them straight through the center of the Earth. But they obviously understand that gravity is somehow related to the center of the Earth, and if, it, and if you were at the center of the Earth, you'd be weightless. They just don't understand the actual physics behind it, because what happens in the movie is... The people are on this elevator and they're dropping towards the center of the earth in free fall, but the whole time there's compl- just normal, uh, you know, G1 gravity inside the cabin. As soon as they hit the center of the earth, bang, everything's in, f- <laughs> everything's weightless, and the whole thing just revolves around like all their seats revolve upside down. So then, the once they like shoot out the other side of the center of the earth, they they hurtle towards you know to wherever the destination is and uh and, and straight away there's full gravity again so obviously that yeah you know, they're thinking like gra- the weirdest thing. yeah yeah and it drove uh, me crazy yeah, was, uh, but why do they have a tunnel we've got you a perfectly just- good way of getting people from yeah. one side <laughs> you can just drop the them i think as long as there's no air resistance, if you drop them, they would yeah, just go oh, sh- all the way through the end. Well, and you just like well, catch right, them. Wouldn't on the, once no. you get past the middle, it start to pull them yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you'd suck well, a harmonic potential. You, you, would, you would still work. Yeah, you would hit. You would hit like terminal velocity, and then once you pass mm. the middle, like so gravity would, have to be would some start. height off the ground to make up the difference on the other end. But you just give it. A, it's like a swing, right? You know, you swing back and forth, but you just give it a yeah, little. But every push time you go up, that's why that physics experiments they do in class where the guy throws a pendulum at himself and it never hits him again. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but if you, you gave it a little push, it you would You couldn't even give him a push hmm. because once they'd hit terminal velocity, they wouldn't they wouldn't keep accelerating. 
No, uh, yeah, I, if there is air resistance, right? But let's yeah, say you right. sucked all the air out of the tube, they would just accelerate towards right. the middle and then they just keep Well, there's obviously the air in the tube because at some point they climb outside the elevator and yeah. Yeah, it gets really absurd. But you could just put some engines on it. I want to see this movie now. <laughs> for that scene. I want to see how, yeah, how, this how bad it is. Bad that. interpretation of how gravity works. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do they mention at all how the tunnel was made? No, no, you just meant to forget that and forget how they don't melt when they go through the centre of the Earth. Yeah. But but yeah, it's. I think I have a lot. Really I have, I have a problem, <laughs> I, and I was reminded by this by by Looper as well. There's like all these filmmakers who come up with these really creative things because they understand the basic theories behind science, but not the actual logic. And so they come up with things that are terribly creative, but actually make no scientific sense. Mm. And I found a lot of the time travel stuff in Looper was the same. They come with well, they that's came, why they have they that with cool some really with Bruce Willis, where he's like, "You can start drawing diagrams with straws and, that's, and that's, that's, yeah, fuck that." And but that's a know. that's a cop out. That's yeah, but, such a cop but, out. Yeah, but they, wouldn't even make any sense. Like, with, well, like, no, but there's, he, there's stuff he, they like, actually shot his explanation. And they just cut cut out. The good because I don't think you can. But but the stuff like you know like. Every time travel movie, they lay out the rules. But you of hate time the timeline for just saying. No, but that's different because this is this is just like forget about it, you know. Just don't even worry about it. It doesn't make any sense. Timeline is like it's quantum it's quantum mechanics, so we do this stuff. Yeah. But then just forget about it. But even yeah, so science forget fiction quantum mechanics probably hasn't been invented yet. So how could he explain it? He would have to invent the no, thing. I mean, that don't he's invoke something that has an explanation and has rules and then say we're not going to obey them. Make up something else. Well, that's the thing like Looper, like they 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 basically they lay out, they imply rules for how this all works yeah and then ignore them like like they, they is, absolutely contradict to their me, own rules they've yeah. implied this is yeah, why the problem Bruce i have with looper is i think i just don't like any time travel stuff at all it's always i'm always nitpicking and going what about austin powers i watched that last was night. it three or something <laughs> yeah. it's two i is watched it two that. literally last night. that's what comes to mind where he's sort of going oh time travel and then we oh. He's like, oh, don't worry about yeah. it. And then he looks into the camera and he's like, and don't you worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, uh, I mean, it's a completely different type mm. of film, obviously. But yeah, as long as they set up, what are the rules in this film? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But it's I like, can even do. Can you change it. the past? Yep, that's all right. Yeah, you can't I change the past. Still can't that's enjoy right. it. Yeah. I still go but fine. You've set the rules, but I don't the know. problem I had with Looper was they set the rules and then they, and then they actually broke their yeah. like like yeah. halfway through the movie they changed their mind of what the rules were. Yeah, right. Because, like, even the Back to the Future, uh, you know, like, he's got a photo and it. The photo's slowly fading as he's failing to get his mum and dad to hook up. Which, you know, and it's sort of like, that doesn't make any sense, but, okay, that's the way you're going to do I it. I kind of love it, because it's kind of funny, because you're like, well, you know, there was a tombstone, but now that guy doesn't, doesn't die. But the photograph still exists, because for, for some reason, someone in the past still took a photograph of this patch of dirt where the tombstone theoretically would have been <laughs> yeah, an alternative not, timeline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or, like, you know, his hands start slowly vanishing. You know, like, yeah. I, I, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, that's it? your rule. That's fine. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, well, that's well, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like, as long as you've got your own system and it's consistent. Yeah. But the Terminator movie is like, you know, they're fine mm-hmm. because like it's it just gets the ball rolling. And then, you know, you don't just sit there and go like, why didn't Skynet just send the Terminator back. a minute yeah. earlier and just, you know, learn their lesson and just go back a little bit earlier and shoot Sarah yeah, yeah, Connor yeah. five minutes before that. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. But that's fine, yeah. It's, you sort of go... You get swept up in it. As long as you can get swept up in it. So, if you make a bad film with good logic, it's crap. But if you make a good film I with bad logic... I'm serious day of vu. I think we've had the exact same... We've, had, we've talked about time travel lots of times. Um, 
If you'd like, we could go back and listen to them. (laughs) Travel back and forwards. Um, um, Other things I had in science news is, do you ever want to know how fast internet is in space? (laughs) Yes. Do I ever want to know? We had this discussion before. What what do you mean? We're talking about if you went to Mars, like, the land. There'd be too much lag. Like, oh, right, yes, yes. You could never um, do so, yeah, it, it's basically saying there's, it, you can get re- sometimes get a really fast connection, um, but you get heaps of lag. Um, uh, you can get up to 10 megabits per second downloads and 3 megabytes upload, which I would love to have here. Um, but you do get a huge amount of lag because you're going over huge distances. So, that's it. Um, also, did you guys watching the Hawaii tsunami? Live, no, it freaked me out a bit. Yeah, well, they had because I was tuned into the Hawaiian chain stations, like all their cameras fixed on the beach, and everyone was like sucked. And some people were like, oh, screw it, I'm gonna be on the beach and die. And it was such a real, surreal thing. Like, it's is it coming? It's due to come at any moment now, but then it never came. But, nothing, huh? There was nothing. Oh, there was like a one meter rise and swell or something, but there was no wave. Mm. Um, but just the anticipation is one of the most exciting pieces of TV. Has it hit Manhattan yet? <laughs> no, but it no, did it's hit, hit Manhattan. No, that's the hurricane. That's a separate oh, incident. Oh, okay. Um, now, it, one place that tsunami did hit was Crescent City, California, which turns out to be the tsunami capital of the world. And basically, every tsunami in the Pacific Ocean just hits this one city, and it's like it got. Um, it's been totally destroyed back in like the 60s it got hit really badly in the japan thing last year and really? um yeah obviously just the place it is in the pacific ocean just everything it gets hit there all the time and they're not gonna just you think they'd move away yeah, and pull just say on hey just feel like, you know yeah, all right we tried ride it out for the next 50 years until the next one comes out you know maybe you'll be dead by then who cares um but yeah right. i'll put a link to crescent city in the show notes. crescent city well good luck crescent city um it's quite funny because, you know, Perth, what, like 30 kilometres in from the coast is all, you know, mm. less than... Well, that's another thing. Um, CSIRO just did a, released a computer simulation of what happened if um, uh, if a tsunami hit Perth. And basically, if you study at Notre Dame, you're dead, you know, and Fremantle, that's going to just get wiped out. Well, most of it, Perth's all on a coastal plain, mm. so mm. all of it will pretty much just get wiped out. Yeah, the Swan yeah. Coastal Plain, good luck. <laughs> I heard it's anecdote. got to live beyond the Darling Scar. It's quite interesting in Wellington because it's all hills around um, around the coast, and they go out and they've got these blue lines. They might like, you, you'll have a suburban road going up a hill, and at a certain point, they've painted this blue line on the road, and the, and the top edge of it is like in a wave pattern, and it's the tsunami safe line. So theoretically, if tsunami, I don't know how they know the average size of tsunami, but Theoretically, that's wow. how high the water will hit. <laughs> wow! So they're like, if you want to get to high ground, yeah, go above this line, above and, you this sh- line. and theoretically you'll be safe. Wow, that's clever. We don't have any. Do, do we have any disaster? Bushfires, but they don't tell you what to do. I guess they do. Fight or flee. Yeah, fight or flee. Turn your air conditioners fan off, but leave the water on. Oh. Really? Because the yeah. fan sucks in the ashes and it sets oh. your house. Roof on fire. You just get out the garden hose, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You wet your roof. Or you scuba dive in the pool. Surely during the Cold War, Perth must have had some sort of plan in case of nuclear 
Oh, yeah. You just have civil defence shelters um, and all that sort of stuff. And air, do we even have air raids? That, that, the modern building at Perth Modern yeah, I heard. was uh, designed to be a hospital if there was a Cold yeah, War. Actually, that's true. Yeah. I remember hearing that. That's oh, why it was wow. like, Remember how yeah. it was like really big corridors and all the doors were like these yeah, big sliding, sliding doors, doors yeah. so that they could take the overflow from PMH in the case of like a natural disaster? Shit, that makes perfect sense. Um, wow. Now that I think about it, it's hard to imagine it not being a hospital, yeah. almost. Yeah, there, there was uh, a. Yeah, I, I went to um, Trinity College in the city, and there used to be. So Trinity's the boys' school, and there's Mercedes, which is the girls' school. And during the Second World War, there was actually a like a tunnel system linking the no. two schools. Was uh, it used for hijinks was, <laughs> later on? Well, see, everyone went looking for it, but what no one seemed to remember was like. The college, like at in the in the war, the time of the war, it was called um, CBC Perth. Uh, yeah, everyone looked for this tunnel and where it could be. No one stopped to think that in the sixties the school was relocated. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Imagine oh, you're dude. a border and you find the tunnel that goes to the girls' yeah. school. The thing that was amazing though, when, when in the sixties wow. when they relocated the school, they had three different locations. Like one's where it ended up now next to the cricket field, but one of them was in the middle of Harrison Island. So <laughs> it, the school would be like Alcatraz, <laughs> just on this yeah. island in the middle of the, the river. St- the state library was originally at one point, and the state museum were both proposed to be on Harrison Island. Yeah. They were like, "Yeah, this should be the cultural centre." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who came up with that idea, but it got shot down. We don't have time to talk about it today, but I've actually been doing reading up about lots of old Perth buildings and stuff, but I'll talk about that now. Well, maybe next week we can do a heritage episode. And some interesting things about, you know, where stuff is now. Because I think next week is Heritage Week Mm. or something. Oh, tomorrow is Halloween as well. I don't know if we have any Halloween Mm. stories to tell. No, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. No, no, it's the next Wednesday. Is it? I can't remember. 31st. 31st. Oh, does October have 31 days? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's why it's so spooky. There you go. Ah. Yeah, we'll have to come up with ghost stories. I read a, I read a ghost story when I was in Melbourne. We're going to tell it today. This will be like a. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, well, put it in the show notes for next week. It's called Ted's well, Cave Halloween's, Story. No one's going to care about Halloween next week. What? Isn't it next week? No, it's tomorrow. Wednesday. Two days time. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you a spooky story. It's called Ted's Cave Story, hmm. and it's uh, it's like a web ghost story, and it's pretty cool. Have you guys seen it at all? It's like a caving journal about this guy and his friend who, like, explores this cave. It's a website? Yeah. Yeah. If you look up Ted's cave story. And it's it just documents... It's just his diary that he kept as he was exploring this cave. And they're digging out this hollow... Like, this... Uh, they're, they're cavers and they're using technical terms. But it's like a small hole that wind blows through. So, you know, it connects to another part of... Like, and you can go through. And so, they dig it out. And it's it creepy. Be. Yeah, it gets creepy. Does he die? And his no, he doesn't been die. left there... As a well, you should warning of scary. Uh, I don't want to. I hate scary things. So I got, I'm, not yeah. go- I'm not going to. Yeah, so I probably shouldn't have that. read it. I know you may. <laughs> You'll never cave again. You're obviously yeah. making, trying to make a, a zombie World War One film. Mm-hmm. Are you big into horror, or is it? Yeah, but um, I really kind of hate a lot of the stuff that gets made these mm. days. Like, um, the like paranormal activity. Yeah, yeah, what sort yeah. of horror do you like? What's the horror that you like? Um, what I really like the classic zombie films because the ho- the horror doesn't come from the monsters. Like the z- zombies were just kind of a, a, a like a metaphor for you know, 
anything. It was just they were just representative of like the slow encroach of death, like this imminent demise. And it's really the horror came from the way that humans would turn it on each other when faced with imminent death, and mm. and how these survival instincts would kick in. That's that kind of like horror that I really like, where it's where it's really just showing you know also, society yeah. collapsing, and, and it's and that it's that slow death as well mm. because. Mm. The zombies are slow and they're stupid and they, you can hold them off for a while. Mm. I like the zombies that are slow and stupid. Yeah, you can yeah. hold them off for a while. And so it's not just like, oh, quick, they're coming. Oh, quick fight. It's like, oh, they're surrounding us and there's more and there's, yeah. oh, we got rid of four of them, but three more showed up this morning. And it's like this constant grind of um, torturous kind of, yeah. Well, that, that, was the, that was the real kind of impetus that drove us to do, to le- the led to this project was we wanted to go to do a return to, you know, the traditional slow zombies. And we're trying to think, how do you make them as scary as possible and threatening as possible? So that's how we kind of led to setting it in the Somme in World War One because uh, not only is like the characters are trapped in this trench, it's basically like you're trapped in a maze and, and the trenches were always laid out in a zigzagging pattern so you couldn't just, you know, fire straight down a trench line and kill everyone inside it. There's all these corners everywhere like a maze. So suddenly, you know, zombies could be anywhere even though they're slow, like they can just, you know, mm. sneak up on you and, and they could be anywhere. And, you know, and that, and then the characters, you know, nowadays zombies don't seem that threatening these days because characters always, always got machine guns and things. And it's, it's easy enough to find guns, whereas, you know, in that setting, characters all got like a bolt-action rifle and there's only so many shots in a magazine. And so, and, and, and even that, like, soldiers were issued like three rounds a day. So mm. even if they're lucky and they hadn't seen action in a week, they only got so many rounds. And, and the other thing as well is, like, there's... You've never probably found there's never been a setting in human history where there would be just so many corpses like the ground was just choked like the place was just an enormous Mm. graveyard like and there were like you know hundreds of thousands of people just being killed constantly and just and just sinking into the into the mud and we're really going back to like you know old school zombies where it's not just like a virus that people get bitten they turn to zombies it's actually like not living dead when it's once this kind of phenomena starts happening, all the newly dead rise, and you can have and you and they emerge from the ground, and and, and so it's like yeah. And so you're gonna do it kind of do it like um, Tarantino did with Inglorious Bastards and like sort of retcon World War Two, or are you just gonna set it sort of in its own universe that happens to be having a war at the same era in technology production, so it's like World War One, but you know zombies exist in this world <laughs> our approach to it is basically <laughs> get ready to rumble <laughs> what would have happened had zombies just yeah, yeah. turned so up at, yeah. at this point in history yeah yeah. so you're going to try and include World War 1 real history mixing with this zombie world yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it's, it's apart from the presence of zombies it's could the idea is to make it completely yeah. historically accurate. I mean, even like any other zombie film, like I, I, I hate seeing films that just become dated really. Like as soon as, you know, as soon as you have like films that rely upon a certain piece of technology or, you know, you set a film in the future, at some point it's going to become really dated. Yeah. And so, you know, people say, oh, well, you make a modern zombie film. 
But if someone comes returns to that film in 30 years' time, they'll be like, you know, you look at Dawn of the Dead now, everyone knows, you know, there was no zombie apocalypse in mm. the 80s. So what's the difference with making a film in World War One? People know there was no zombie apocalypse in World War One, but it's, you know, yeah, it's still going to be, when people look at it decades from now, it's still going to be in a period setting. Mm. And, you know, so, so every zombie movie is effectively a an alternate reality. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got, we've got to wrap up I uh, thought we'll end with our questions of the week um, I was going to ask you guys um, what virtual characters would you like to see perform live in concert like uh, and if you've seen these this new the whole hologram thing like had the gorillas performing so there's a hologram using that old stage effect then they had Tupac perform with Snoop Dogg that and was pretty cool I <laughs> my friend got me into these videos Fred don't delete that <laughs> no um, Fred uh, no a friend got me into these um, this anime this YouTube videos of these anime concerts where they've got like an anime girl singing to a crowd and everyone's like getting into it and obviously seeing some J-pop um, I was wondering if like is there any characters not just resurrected like Tupac, but any characters or anything like that that you would like to see Boy, perform Jim. actually on stage as a hologram. Jim in a crowd. In the holograms. Jim. She was truly, truly, truly outrageous. Do you know Jim? No, no, oh, she no. Was, it was an 80s cartoon. All right, like Barbie, except she was in a a band. Band like Josie and the Pussycats. Just yeah, like Josie and the Pussycats slash Barbie, but yeah. um, you. I had a Jim doll. She was really cool, and it came with a cassette tape. So <laughs> yeah. when you bought it, it came with a cassette, it was like a single I guess it was and yeah. um, you should look them up they're really cool anyway put it in so Jim and the holograms well who better do good, good music though so what you uh, had to I don't know. dance along to the tape kind of idea oh yeah I guess yeah. I don't know was it a good song I don't remember I oh. wish I did yeah. I wish I still had it it's probably on YouTube somewhere we'll have to look it yeah, up oh, it'd definitely bring it back be. next week yeah Jim and the holograms <laughs> well they were holograms Fred no, I can't think of any a performer but it could be anyone because it's virtual. So but, it could be someone that's dead like Tupac or it could be know, a virtual yeah, character like the gorillas. A, I could watch a movie of these people. No, but understand. you've got to be in the crowd and experience the live. watch the movie in a crowd. Didn't you see Tupac? Didn't you see I didn't see. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any seen holo- of these holograms. Oh, oh you, well, I put the links in the show notes. Oh, you could have wow. checked it out. Um, Maybe after the show you'll have to watch. But it's still... It's basically watching a movie. What's the difference? No, you know? but you're you in the crowd, crowd You can have singing. a crowd watching a movie. Like, if it's about the crowd... Well, about what about when you went and saw Daft Punk, Fred? <coughs> yeah, but I think they basically pushed play on their little... Yeah, and how was it? spaceship. Yeah, it was great. So Daft well, Punk... Well, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was because of the crowd. That's what we're saying! <laughs> but it's like saying... Who's okay, so who, who, who do you think would get the crowd... What holograms would get the crowd in? Tupac, I don't Tupac. know. Tupac, obviously did, but... Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls, okay. Brent, I don't know. It's, there's no one that I'm just sort of... I, I'm having trouble getting past, like... I don't know, I think it's because he started with gorillas and I was thinking of, like, cartoon characters and things. I got stuck on... Um, you can pick anyone, it doesn't have to be... Yeah, I, the, you know. I, the thing I got stuck in my head now is... Um, what is it, like, in Donkey Kong 64? And they're, like, they're all in a band... Like all the characters in the yeah. band. I just, just think how great it would be to see like a Donkey Kong band yeah. doing a concert. They had some pretty cool beats though. Mm. Oh, the DK rap was awesome. Was Nintendo should cool. get into virtual concerts, I reckon. They it could should. be the next big thing yeah. for Nintendo. Why not? James, what about you? Maybe like a virtual hologram fight? <laughs> what, like or going to a boxing ring? Abraham Lincoln it. versus Bill Clinton or something? Yep. 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 
and they can choreograph the whole fight. That'd you be... wouldn't know who, who's going to win. Yeah, I can make it three D. Actually, you're in the crowd. Like, yeah. no, you ever seen epic rap battles of history? I have. And, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there was one the other day where they had like um, Obama versus Romney, and then at the end, it's. Um, Jefferson just like, drops in, like flies in on an eagle and like, shuts them both down. I was like, that's, no that's way. Like, if they did a concert, like a hologram concert of like epic rap battles, yeah. <laughs> all those, yeah, like, that would be a pretty uh, cool I'd, compilation. I'll make that my own epic rap battles. <laughs> you could have a lightning bolt to shoot out of people's hands and things. I don't know how the it work, but. Yep. I think like you have like Jessica Rabbit and like. Do you guys remember celebrity boxing, but with yeah. the claymation ones? Yeah. yeah. Kind of like that. That's what I'm thinking. That's what you'd Live like to see. And 3D, yeah. Yeah. You were thinking Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Did you bring up Jessica Rabbit? Like- yeah, because this, 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 uh, uh, these Asian sort of J-pop things look seem quite... They have that weird edge of perversion factor that you get with that stuff with, you know, but, a, a sort of skirt flying up when she turns around. And- but then looking at a lot of, like, the, like, the J-pop and the K-pop stars are so... Made up, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They almost look well. This like is, I, this is what I was anyway. watching this video, um, and I was looking at going, This is like the pinnacle, I reckon this is going to be huge in every people's going to be a virtual version soon, you know. No, you, I wouldn't, the artist that. is going to be the puppeteer at the back, you know, doing the motion capture performance. And I, I don't think so. Did you ever see this crowd was going off, man? I didn't know who this character was that I was seeing, but there was a video on YouTube, um, about uh, um. Arkham Asylum mm. and you know because a lot of people thought that like Harley Quinn in that game was really hot and then they show they released this video and it's just it's some they got the voice actors it's a guy that does the motion oh, capture right. yeah. for it <laughs> oh. and it shows him like yeah. like slinking around and yeah. everything it's, it's really funny that's um. weird <laughs> <laughs> that's awkward um so yeah I just thought, yeah, just grab that they had a like walking around the the club, and, and the just, guys are like, that'd be really weird. Give it a quick time. You'd want to see it, yeah. <laughs> In Saints Row, I found it, found this cave where there was just like this bunch of um, sex dolls on old mattresses, and the mattresses are all stained and stuff like that. That game is so <laughs> random, <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. Oh, yeah. That should have been R. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. You found a cave in a game that had... There's like one of these ones where you're rescuing prostitutes from a containers. Yeah. And you open up the container and it's like a fucking machine. Just like... Yeah. Or they're just dead. Oh, yeah. It's full of flies. It's yeah. disgusting. Because the prostitutes are just rotted in the heat or died of... Heat, sort of uh, sort of it's like in the wire, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably what they got it from. Yeah. Um, and there's like... You just have this giant purple dildo running around hitting people with... Like, yeah. Um... Uh, Campbell, you wanted to ask, um, Darwin's journey on the starship Beagle changed the world forever by effectively killing God, possibly the greatest discovery of all time. What comparable discovery would be made by another starship? Did he really do? Oh, I guess he did. I was using quite provocative I was, yeah, well, I was, all other, other bloody things alive on other planets. Are they obviously? Do you think that's as big a... Oh, I'm just asking, like, what, yeah, what things could we find? Because we all expect aliens, don't we? Something other than aliens. No, we always, we expect aliens because of that rule that there's, you know, what's that, that law that guy did? Lee's law. Lee's law. That's different, though. That's just when you look. That was, that guy who calculated 
the potential of life in the Milky Way. Yeah, and he decided that we're all stuffed. No. Well, isn't it... If the the universe is infinite, it's basically a number... It's an infinite number of possibilities. And, like, when there's a a percentage of something in an infinite number of test samples, then it becomes a certainty. Yeah, but what this guy did, right, he said, we can see this much of the universe, and the odds of it were one of of there being, you know, this proportion of stars... And the odds of this of this star having a planet, yeah. and the odds of this planet having a, a, a existing within the habitable, the habitable zone. zone, and then a planet of, of of life evolving, and then the final piece of the equation was how long, because we can only detect them through radio waves. Mm. It was how long a civilization that was sufficiently advanced to create radio waves and therefore probably nuclear bombs would last. And mm. like all the other bits of the equation are known. You can mm. calculate probabilities. And this is the sort of unknown bit that he tried to calculate, which is basically mm. how long would a civilization last once it's developed? But then the thing the also... possibility to destroy itself and the answer is not very long, yeah. I don't think. But then, the, the, yeah, then, the, then the big question is where the hell is everybody? Yeah. Because so the answer be, is that that, yeah. that amount of but time. But then if you really also... If, but if you think like the amount of time that we've been transmitting radio waves has been, what, like 60 100 years? years? 100 years? 100 years? 100 years? Yeah. That's pretty narrow. And the amount of time that we've been able to detect radio waves is 100 years. So, yeah. what if someone dropped off the perch, like, just... Well, it wasn't 100 years ago, obviously, because the radio waves take time to get to us. But in our perceivable time, if that makes sense... I mean, 100 sense, years what if we were, nothing, right? What if, for like, 110 years ago, we were wash, awash with radio yeah. waves from another civilization before who they just blew went... themselves up? Who cares about radio waves? Like, it doesn't, yeah. matter, who, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be intelligent life or just, just a planet of alien dinosaurs. That'd be real. real. Yeah, well, that's right. And bacteria or... Or what if we found <laughs> oh, ourselves... this kills us. <gasps> like the Andromeda strain. What if we found God? Just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, just chilling. Well, I was seeing, like, a Truman Show moment where you're flying a ship yeah. and it just hits a wall and you realise, yeah, oh, this thud. is just a projection of ourselves. Or something. Yeah. VR sort of thing. We'll never know. Well, well, we might. That's what Unlikely. I'm saying. Well, if we get the voyage, disappears one day because it's hit the wall on Bunk. the outside of the explodes. <laughs> it keeps on extending the solar system, you know. Yeah, every every year, it's like yeah, we think it's totally on. Every year, the voyage is like, oh, we're going to hit the the oh, edge no, of the solar like, system. Because there is there is no thud. It doesn't just go poof, and like come out of the solar hmm. system. It's just like a probably a million kilometers of. What if it comes back? Like in, when you play asteroids. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so cool. uh, did you ever this see little one starts appearing um, on the yeah. horizon? Skyline. No, was that, was that it, LA one? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I was totally like, wanted to see it. Then when people the people came outside, don't, they're don't, like, "Don't exactly, don't, don't." But you don't have to. Uh, the only you probably the best. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it for you. The aliens come to Earth. Because all of their machines are powered by human brains. <laughs> so, wow. So they need, oh, to, they need to harvest they, human brains to power their machines. They probably need us then, yeah. yeah. Had they come in the past and collected them? No, no, don't think in <laughs> <laughs> Are our wow. brains that good? I think you could just go, they just wanted to come here and blow stuff up. You know, don't invent a... Re- it's like clocker soccer for them. Yeah, just they wanted to... It's like a bit of recreational jerks. fishing. Yeah, and they wanted to steal our brains <laughs> just because they're mean. Meanies. They meanies. Maybe it's a delicacy. Yeah. I don't know. You could find... Yeah, you could find God. Maybe we could find ourselves out there. Mm. Yeah, VR sim. Did you ever see Prometheus? Yeah. We had a big discussion about it. Yeah. If you go back and listen to episode 14, mm. um, that's the episode. It's, I, I was recently reading... They, um, 
they released a book on the making of the original Alien. And it's amazing, when you go back and look at all the concept art, like originally it wasn't meant to be a crashed spaceship, they were meant to find a temple, and uh, and the original facehugger was meant to be like this squid thing, and you look at it and just Prometheus is just all the original concepts that they abandoned from Alien. <laughs> yeah. Like it is like they originally set out to make Prometheus, basically. Mm. But uh, uh, Well, thanks for coming on, Brendan. Um, you're welcome back anytime you're in Perth. We'll see what how that zombie film's going, and we'll link yeah. to your Kickstarter when it goes live to yeah. our millions of fans that listen to the show. Uh, at, the, at the moment, the best thing is just to go and find the Facebook page and like that because that'll. All right. Yes, yeah, I'll link yeah, to that. Yeah. So yeah. once the once we've got our crowdfunding up and running, we'll be going from there, plugging it on there. Yeah. Cool. No worries. Um, Campbell, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, CampbellWhite.com, and from there you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, etc. Have you joined Tent yet? I haven't pitched one yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll go home tonight and pitch it in. <laughs> what about you, Fred? Don't don't try. Okay. What about on Sexy Fred? I was looking through that the other day. It's it's pretty it's epic. Still around. It's pretty sick. There's some crazy comments on there as well. That yeah. People have discovered. Oh, the yeah. Korean fans are going wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big in Korea. Um, yes, you can find us at fangingaround.com. You can send us an email, mailback at fangingaround.com, or just go to the listener mail page. You can send us all kinds of weird stuff through Audioboo, SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Probably. All right. Goodbye. Bye, Bye listener. Bye. Bye.